Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 175 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today's episode is a little different and a little special. Um, it's actually going to be the last episode for me in terms of producing the show and appearing regularly. Um, but don't worry, the show's not going anywhere. Uh, Neil and Nick are working on rebooting it, and uh, the show will be back in a few weeks with mostly the same format, maybe some new voices. But, but don't worry, the show will go on without my regular participation. Uh, but since this is my last episode, what the heck, I decided to make this episode pretty much for me. Uh, I'm sure segments everyone out there will enjoy, uh, but the order's gonna be a little different. Um, uh, but I hope, you know, I hope you like it. Uh, so starting things off, we're gonna start with a bonus segment all about the NHL playoffs. That's with myself, JP, and Donald. And after that, we have a listener mail segment. That's with myself, Neil, Zach, and Nick. Following that, we have a Bloodborne bonus segment with Alex, Zach, and myself. And right after that is our final bonus segment, all about the 10th anniversary of the Doctor Who reboot. That's with myself, Nick, and Amanda. And ending the show, what the heck, we have uh, one more game of Jeopardy. That's with myself, Zach, Neil, Andy, and Nathan. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to this bonus segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson and today I am with J.P. Corbin. Hello. And Donald Terrio. Hello. And it is time to grade these guys Smash Brothers performances. There you go. No, let's uh, not do that. You don't want to do that? You don't I, I would prefer to the less to be said about that, the better. <laughs> you don't want to just open up and share some feelings and, and discuss progress. Oh, I've got a lot of feelings. I'm just not sure I want to share them. <laughs> can, can you say most of those words on this show? I mean... <laughs> Earning the explicit tag. Yeah, we do have the explicit tag, so you can say anything you want. But that's fine. Uh, we'll we'll talk about what we're really here to talk about, and that is the NHL playoffs. Um, as you know, if you've listened to Connectivity before, which I imagine you have, uh, from time to time we do these NHL-focused segments. We did one uh, about a little bit after the Winter Classic, I'm going to say, or before maybe? No, it was after, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, it was before the All-Star break. Uh, kind of reviewing the, the season as was. Um, things kind of played out. I guess for our respective favorite teams, as as they kind of were to, at yeah, that that it's time, about, about what I expected. Yeah, I know that the Flyers were hanging in there for a while, trying to scrap, you know, to make it in the playoffs. But they they're did no senators, pretty impressively, so. considering they had no defense. Right, and once they were like out of the playoffs, I feel like they played ten times better. Like well, they beat a the, lot of the, good teams. The last two months of the season, they were almost unbeatable against yeah. teams that made the playoffs, and they couldn't get a win against like Carolina and Buffalo. Exactly. You you guys suck at tanking, although it helps you got 18 loser points. Oh, yeah, a lot of uh, overtime and shootout losses, things like that. Lots of shootout losses. They, Lots of shootout the, losses. The Flyers, since the shootout was introduced, are the worst team in shootouts. Whoa, really? Wow. I know the Kings were, like, exceptionally bad this year, and I know that a lot of speculation is that's why they missed the playoffs, which I guess so. I mean, they were only out by a few points. They were the you last a, team out, right? Yeah, won a few shootouts, and maybe you, you kind of pull yourself into the playoffs there, but I'm very glad they're eliminated. I have no goodwill towards the Kings. Happy yeah. to see them out. I can't um, imagine why. Yeah, I know. Weird. There's just, it's not like there's any history, recent history that would kind of explain that. Um, but I'm actually really excited about this year. Um, not even so much like for my own team being in it, but just for all like kind of the like fresh blood and new faces that are in the playoffs yeah, that haven't really been there the past few years. I mean, I think our teams did about what we figured, but there were some surprises elsewhere. Yeah, and that's really exciting. Um, a lot of Canadian teams, except just, I feel like the, there's one that didn't make it, I'm pretty sure, but. Two, uh, technically, you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, Edmonton, I don't even count as a team. Edmonton's <laughs> not really an NHL team. Yeah. Well, as long, as long as Toronto wins on Saturday, that's all I ask for. 
What uh, what's the percentage shot that you guys have to get the first pick? Nine percent. Six point five for the Flyers. Wow, it's not bad actually. It could happen. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of hoping for some David Stern style rigging of this thing, but I know it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think it it was Florida last year. I doubt that was rigging. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. maybe it'll be Edmonton again. So they could drive another talent into the ground. Yes. It would be impressive <laughs> if they could ruin McDavid. <laughs> then they should get some kind of league award for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go kind of go through the matchups here and we'll, we'll kind of review the teams that are in each matchup and give our, our prediction. Uh, as is usually the case, we'll start in the Eastern Conference and let's go ahead and jump to the, uh, I guess they finished top seed overall. And that is the New York Rangers. Yeah, uh, the against, President's Trophy, right? Yeah, exactly. Up against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And when we're recording this, that first game just ended just now. And New with York the Rangers won, winning right? 2-1. Yeah. Uh, closer than I thought it would be, but that New York really It wasn't that those... close. That score, is, that score <laughs> really overstates the Penguins' performance. Yeah. And the Rangers, in general, I feel like are, are a good defensive team. They Once they have that kind of lead, I feel like they can really just clamp down. Um, I'm surprised that the Rangers moved ahead this season like they did. I kind of thought last year, I mean, they made it to the, the cup final, but. That was unexpected. Really... I think exactly. That, that was, that wasn't, they weren't the President's Trophy winner last year <laughs> by any stretch. They were, they right. Were... And they had to come back from 3-1 down against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Back yeah. When they, they were and still the Pittsburgh. Flyers took them to seven games. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, they, they didn't. They didn't take, get in there easy at all. Right. And I kind of thought they'd be more like the Devils team that we saw a few years ago that played against the Kings. I guess that was 2012. Uh, just this team that kind of just got hot at the right time, but really wasn't like a built to contend for a, a, you know, an extended period of time. I thought oh, the 2010 Flyers. There you go. Yeah, another, <laughs> you have a great example. So I thought, I expected them to be kind of middle of the pack this season, but that obviously did not end up being the case. And they've actually been very good. Um, meanwhile, the Penguins barely made it into the playoffs. I had to win their last game on the last day. Because freaking Boston couldn't seal the deal. Yeah, I know. And they had to beat Buffalo, so really, you kind of figure that that Pittsburgh would get in at that point. Yeah, exactly. Especially once the the game before Buffalo actually sealed, uh, which is so great, they sealed up last place. So they they really didn't have anything to... Oh, yeah. No, Buffalo was actually really going all out on that. Even if they won, they were the worst. They could just go all out. It was a home game for them, too. They really had something to play for. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was was Boston. There was just no way they were going to make it in, considering all that. Yeah. so yeah, what do you what do you guys think here? I have let me take whatever I have New York in five games. That uh, sounds about right. I I'm gonna give Pittsburgh credit for still having two really good players, and I think they can take New York to six, but they'll bow out in uh, six games. I mean, especially with I mean that's a banged up team. They've been playing poorly recently, and you need more than two good lines to succeed in the postseason. I mean, they I, they could get to six. They're Pittsburgh, but I I, I I'm more with Scott here. Yeah, and didn't, isn't Yalatang yeah, out for the, the the all of the season, all the playoffs yeah, and everything they ruled? He's, he's out. Yeah, yeah, got a bad concussion. I mean, I mean, they were, I mean, the Penguins for a long time toward the end of the season were playing with five defensemen because they didn't have the cap room to bring up another one. I mean, they're that's a tired team that has you know been playing its worst hockey of the season lately. They limped into the playoffs, so yeah. I, I really don't see them doing much. 
Yeah, I am exactly with you there. I just, I don't know what the deal is with that team. They just always seem to underperform. And, and unfortunately, uh, you can't really blame it on Flurry this season, as has now, always Fleury, been the most exciting thing to do, like, Fleury's the past few years. probably been the best player on the team this year. I'd say arguably. so. Arguably. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah the, you know, he's, he's, he's had one of the best years I've seen from him, but this, the team in front of him hasn't done much. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's go ahead and jump down then to that same uh, bracket there, and let's take a look at the Washington Capitals versus the New York Islanders. Um, kind of interesting that Washington is where they are. I, I expected a little bit of a kind of a, a rebuild period here, at least in a stretch where they wouldn't maybe immediately show gains from bringing in Barry Trotz, uh, you know, the previous coach of the uh, the Nashville Predators, the team we'll talk about in a little bit. Um I was just interested to see how his style, his like defense first style, would gel with guys like Ovechkin, who uh, are I don't know even have ever heard the word of defense. Um, but he's done well in the team. I mean, the team has played great all season. Uh, Holtby has been very reliable for them, and uh, same. I mean, Islanders as well. Another kind of surprise team this season. I feel like uh, the past couple of seasons they've sort of uh, like scraped into the you know the last spot or maybe like second to last spot to get into the playoffs, but. Never really made a big splash, but they've looked great this season. Yeah, they they were looking really strong at the start of the year. They sort of tailed off just as the Rangers started getting hot. Mm-hmm. But they've they I, I don't know. They may want to go out early just so they can finally get rid of the Nassau Coliseum. <laughs> just be out of there. <laughs> exactly. Or you know, go out and I you know make them play games in the Stanley Cup final. Make everybody come to the Nassau Coliseum <laughs> one last time. <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty good. I know. I, I don't know if they're looking forward at all to playing at the Barclay Center, but um, you know, really, anything's to... a step up. Really, yeah, can... it's got to be an improvement. They can play our local arena here, and it'd be like a sidestep <laughs> from the Nassau Coliseum. Um, so for this one, I have Washington in seven. Yeah, I've. Yeah, I'm. I'm going six again with this one. I just think, based on what we saw in Game One, I think the Islanders. I think they can solve Holtby enough that they'll they won't have to take it to the limit. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, New York did win that first game. What were you gonna say, JP? I was just saying. I mean, this is this is a hard one to look at. You know, this is these are two teams that I think are kind of here a bit unexpectedly, but they've played very well. Yeah, I kind of want to say seven games because I think they're a pretty good matchup. Um, I would probably I would probably go Washington just because I think they've they've even if they haven't had the most success, it's a more experienced team that might be able to cope with the playoffs better. Yeah, but I could see it going either way. Yeah, that's how I felt. I, I just this is probably one of the hardest ones for me. I just couldn't really pick a winner. Um, so then the our other uh, first place team uh, division winner were the Montreal Canadiens. And now they are going to be locked into a battle with, uh, like, sudden best team ever, the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Meteor and four. <laughs> Meteor yeah, and four. <laughs> Donald. Donald's a big fan of this matchup. Yeah, there's no winning here for Donald. Um, yeah, I mean, the Ottawa Senators, what is it? Like, in February, they were, like, what is it, 15 or yeah, 20 15, points? 15, 16 oh. points out or something. Yeah, yeah. the lar- the largest same-season comeback in NHL history, largely on the fact that they got a hot goalie for 24 games. Yeah, Andrew yeah. Hammond, I mean, the Hamburg. come out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. He's like, I mean, how many people had even heard of him? I mean, not only did season. he come out of nowhere, but he became, like, a sensation. I mean, the whole, like, throwing hamburgers on the ice at Senators games yeah. and just everything. I mean, that it was so exciting to watch them, like, get back into it and actually be able to, to pull it off and and secure a seed. 
Um, so yeah, it's really I've, good for them. I, I have a friend here who, despite you know living in Pennsylvania, is for some reason an Ottawa Senators fan. I've never been able to figure out why, but uh, he's been extremely excited. <laughs> well, imagine. the 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 Senators farm team was in Binghamton for quite a few years, so I don't know, maybe he's from that area. No, he's been. I mean, really, he's been. When he hasn't been in Pennsylvania, he's more from like Ohio. So yeah, he's. I don't. He, I, he's he's fans of weird teams. I've stopped trying to understand him. <laughs> um, and then yeah, you have the Canadians who I mean just kind of cruised along all season, right around you know the top of the Eastern standings. Uh, Price is another win, strong like, goalie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Price is the runaway Vesna. Yeah, and possibly Hart too. Um, I've heard a lot of conversation there, so a, a good matchup. Um, I, I have, I think the Senators are going to keep the good times rolling. And I think they're going to take it in six. I had Montreal in five, just because Hammond has looked shaky in the last few games. If he's going to keep giving up four goals a game, yeah, Ottawa is not going to put four a game past Carey Price. That's true. And, and I've also got, I think I've got three suspensions in the series. <laughs> well, Subban uh, somehow avoided one yesterday, which I can't believe. But well, it doesn't help when the when Ottawa's coach is literally saying, "Hey, if you if we don't suspend <laughs> Subban, we might take a run at him." Yeah, that was that was kind of uh, crass. Yeah, I guess is the word for it. <laughs> Self defeating. Yeah. What about you, JP? What do you have? You know, Ottawa has been so hot lately. I mean, Donald's right. They've cooled off a little bit toward the end, but they've still been playing really good hockey. And they they played well against Montreal in the regular season, but I still think Montreal takes it, though, probably in six, maybe seven games. Um, And then our next one, our final one in the uh, Eastern Conference here, another one that I guess I had a little hard time picking, picking, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Yeah, game is, one, it, game it, one. It's another series that you just like. Well, I wasn't sure either of these teams were going to be this good. Right. I mean, Detroit. I mean, Detroit. You know, always finds a way to get in. But you know, I think they've looked better than I expected them to. Yeah, in this Steve Eiserman series. Since, <laughs> yeah, the Eiserman Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've Detroit seems to be like they've lost Franson probably for good because of a concussion, same way sort of the way Chris Pronger went out and they've Yeah, and they've gone to another goalie. I don't know where they keep finding these guys, but <laughs> right. but Tampa Bay's offense is just so high powered that Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean Stamkos and this is really going to be Stamkos' time to shine. I'm I've actually got Tampa going to the conference finals out of the out of the Atlantic, so they're going to win this, but it's probably going to be seven games. That's so funny. That's exactly what I have, seven games. And I do have Tampa getting to the conference finals against the Rangers. So uh, we are right on par there. I don't know. I think, you know, Tampa, I mean, I, I, I could see it happening quicker than that. I think it, it could be six, but, yeah, I, I would take Tampa with yeah. just the, the offense they have. Sure. All right, well, let's move over, over to the Western Conference then, um, which has been kind of crazy. Uh so let's take a look then at, uh, we'll start again with the highest seed in the Western Conference. That is the Anaheim Ducks, inexplicably. And they are against the Winnipeg Jets, uh, maybe also inexplicably. Uh, the, the Jets were a lot better this year than I expected them to be. 
I think I think a lot of people a lot of people thought the Stars were going to make a big push this year, and Winnipeg was still going to be the outside, and they kind of like flip flopped. Like Winnipeg was actually very good all year long, uh, and Dallas just couldn't get going. I mean, it doesn't help that you know Sagan was out for a good chunk of time, but still, that that Central Division was absolutely insane. I mean, ninety nine yeah. <laughs> points would win you the President's Trophy some years, and now you're a wild card yeah. crossing over. Yeah, I mean that that division. Yeah, I mean that's exactly. Yeah, I Winnipeg. This is going to be Winnipeg's first playoff game since I was in elementary school, and I'm. This is probably one of those series that the home team wins every game. Unfortunately, that does mean Anaheim wins in seven for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 that 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 atmosphere in that arena is going to be something else for the for that series. Oh Uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch Game Three, the first game at Winnipeg. That it's going to be insane. Yeah, but. Because Anaheim was, I think it was like 38 and 1 in one goal games this year. So they've got something when it's close, and in the playoffs, it's usually close. So that's why yeah, I've got them. I, mean, I, I think I, it, Winnipeg's a great story, but Anaheim's just too good. Yeah, I'm actually going to take Winnipeg in seven. I just, Anaheim to me is this team that's always great in the regular season, and they just can't get it done in the playoffs. It doesn't help that you've got. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux coaching them, who historically did the same exact thing with the Washington Capitals. So I just don't see him getting it done. I think they kind of flame out early again. Yeah, but I mean, I can see, see that. I, I yeah. really do. But I'm, I, I, yeah, I think Donald's got it right. I mean, the, the whole home team winning every game because I think Winnipeg's going to play up at home. But I mean, yeah, you know, I, I got to take the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, and then the next matchup there in that division is the Vancouver Canucks against the Calgary Flames. Uh, Calgary Flames, what the hell? <laughs> where, where did this team Johnny come from? Hockey. Yeah, that's all you need. Really, they all they have is that top line, uh, like producing like crazy for them. Um, and but that's been enough to do it. And uh, I love it. They're kind of like the uh, the Leafs of a couple seasons ago, or the Avalanche of last season. They just defy all advanced statistics um, to just to just beat the odds and get into the playoffs. And I mean, they've been good. Everybody wrote them off when Mark Giordano went down yes, after yeah. the All Star break, who could still probably win the, the Defenseman of the Year trophy. And I I don't know what it is with these guys, but I really think they're gonna they they can probably win this. And the last three times Vancouver and Calgary have met in the playoffs, it's gone to seventh game overtime, and oh, wow. the winner has gone to the Cup final. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, in this one, I do have, uh, Calgary in six games. Um, I think it's gonna be fun. I'm really excited. I, I'm disappointed that every Canadian team, uh, with the exception of what, Winnipeg, I guess, yeah. uh, is like playing themselves because that means quickly all this great, good feeling about all these Canadian teams finally be back in the playoffs is gonna be like cut in half. Um, but I think Calgary take it, takes it. They've just been a good story and I, I just can't see Vancouver point it off. I mean, the, the, what I hesitate with Calgary, I mean, what I said about Pittsburgh, you need two more, more than two good lines to really succeed in the postseason. Well, Calgary probably doesn't even have that. I mean, it's, it's a great story and they're playing well and it's Vancouver. So, you know, that's there, but I, I, I still have a hard time seeing them get out of it. Yeah. I've got, I've got Calgary in game seven and game seven is going to go to overtime. <laughs> nice. So game eight, nice. game seven overtime is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's your team, and then no, it's very less. Than yeah, exactly. let's. Can we not go there, please? <laughs> it still hurts. <laughs> um, so let's jump over then to the Central Division. Uh, again, a, yeah, a juggernaut, just sort of like last year. I mean, it's just 
a lot of good teams there, and, and everyone seems to keep getting better, uh, which is scary. Um, so the first matchup is the St. Louis Blues against the Minnesota Wild. Um, the Wild going on some... right now as I'm watching it. Yeah, just started. Yeah, I while think we're, while we're playing this. Yeah, the Wild were up one nothing last time I looked. Still are yes, with about six left in the first. Okay. Uh, the Wild, yeah, I mean, started the season very poorly, and then they got a good goalie in Devin uh, Dubnik, and all of a sudden they were a good team again. <laughs> we all know, we we all knew that he had that in him, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't help. He was playing in Edmonton and what four other teams in the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Edmonton. Edmonton has a way of like really destroying a goalie. Really, I mean, it's like that's well, they destroy everybody, but really, goalies. Uh... Yeah, I mean, same with like the Sabers and stuff like that. I mean, bad teams just just crush goalies. I mean, uh, the Sabers yeah, at least for a while had you know had Miller when he was good. I mean, a lot of just er, that's I mean, true. Edmonton's just been all over. You know, I don't know. But yeah, anyway. that's a good point. Um, yeah, and then the Blues, I mean, kind of just same where they were last year. I mean, just a, a good team, a good physical team um, that I don't like, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, and yeah, I mean, they just kind of cruised along, and luckily for them, the National Predators sort of just fell off the face of the earth the last two months, and they were able to snatch up the uh, the division title and get a first-round matchup with the Wild. Not that I think that that's necessarily a good thing, because no. I've got the I'm Wild winning sure this in six. I'm not sure that's that much better than a matchup with Chicago right, right now, the way they're playing. Well, yeah, I've got the Wild. Actually, well, my original bracket was St. Louis in seven, but you know what? I'm going to throw an audible here. I honestly don't trust St. Louis's goaltending. The fact that they had to bring in Mar- the corpse of Marty Brodeur yeah. for a few games. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna flip it to Minnesota in seven and see if we can get some love from Billy Burkhammer. There we go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can. I, I got. Yeah. I think. I think Minnesota. I mean, has been playing well lately, and yeah, I trust their goaltending a lot more than St. Louis the way it's gone this year. Yeah. I mean, St. Louis didn't decide a starter for the playoffs until like the like day before the playoffs started. So, um, yeah, that does not bode well. And then let's jump to the last matchup. Then uh, that is the Nashville Predators against uh, my Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Predators, another like surprise team. There were a lot of those this year. Uh, I mean, this, they brought. Go this ahead. to me is this. This to me is the most fun matchup to watch because I think these are two really excellent teams. I I would say whoever wins this series is probably going to the finals out of the West. Uh, yeah, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, fingers crossed. I mean, I think Nashville could definitely win it with the team they have. They're so strong defensively, and Pecker and A would be a serious Vesna contender in most years, if not for the way Price is played. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, they're finding ways to score, which I guess Peter Laviolette will do for you. So, I, yeah, they I, they are as someone who's like watched a lot of Nashville Predators hockey over the past few years. I mean, when the Predators came up on the schedule. A lot of times I just didn't even want to watch the games because they were just such a boring team in the past few years. And, I mean, yeah, great defensively, but didn't didn't take any chances, just kind of snuffed out all play through the neutral zone, and then just sort of like, you know, would score on these just sort of weird opportune plays that would just sort of pop up. But it was very slow, it was very calculated, and it was just boring. But that is not what the case is now for Nashville. I mean, they are a fast-moving team. I mean, Lobby doesn't play that kind of hockey. No, but what helps is they still have that like world caliber, caliber. Right. Uh, I mean, you got I mean, goalies, Weber so. and, and even like Seth Jones recently. Yep. I mean, they keep adding to it. Yeah. And and yeah, like I said, Renee has kind of regained some of his form from a couple of years ago and had an excellent season. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, he felt, he did fall off at the end of the season. Right. Because save yes. percentage for April was like under nine hundred, surprisingly. Um, and, and Nashville came crashing down. I think they won like six of their last twenty games. Yeah, yeah I that, mean, that's that's. 
that's that's what would make me give the edge to Chicago. But I mean, yeah, I think yeah, Nashville that's... is capable of getting hot and turning it right around. But yeah, yeah. right. The based on recent form, you got to give it to Chicago. Yeah. yeah, especially with really. Kane back. I mean, you get Patrick Kane. Yes, you know that's a whole different team. <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> yeah, and between Nashville's recent form and well, let's look at the. I mean, game one's in the books there, and Nashville had a three nothing lead, and then I don't know where you find these goalies, Scott, but they, <laughs> they, he, he throws up a sixty seven minute shutout, and mm-hmm. you guys come back. Four unanswered and win it in double overtime. That's got to kill Nashville. At this point. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, like they they felt so. I mean, that whole like arena was crazy at the end of the first period because they scored a late goal at the end of the first period to go up three nothing. And I mean, they just like seemed in complete control, and then it just like steadily like fell apart for them. Um, and yeah, Darling was unbelievable. He's actually like a Chicago kid. He's from the Chicagoland area and has played for like a million different minor league teams. Um, and like had a huge like just hurdle like getting to the NHL, but he's been very good. Um, and you know, like Crawford had a bad game yesterday, but Crawford's been great too. He actually tied Price, uh, for fewest goals allowed, and and now they're like co-winners of the Jennings Trophy. So I mean, he's had a really good season too. Um, so it's exciting. I mean, it's good. The past few seasons, especially last season, I felt like the Hawks didn't really have a backup plan in net. And you saw in that LA series that, I mean, LA was scoring a lot. Crawford was bad in that LA series, as was Quick. Uh, but neither team had like a backup goalie that they trusted. And as you saw yesterday, if things go south. They've got a backup goalie that can come in and really like shut things down and give the Hawks a chance, and that's huge. I think that's really what's going to make a difference here. Yeah, uh, moving yeah I mean, I, I agree. Like, I mean, I like what Nashville's done, but I mean, you're right. They've they've really kind of collapsed over time, and I mean, they've clearly got the talent to play at that level. And and this is the playoffs. I've seen teams bounce back like that before, but I think yeah. Chicago's so good, and, and you get the goaltending, you got Kane back. I you know, yeah. I think yeah, Chicago. Yeah, Kane too is a huge. Yeah, he's gonna oh, yeah. give them a huge swing. Yeah, I mean, two assists yesterday and everything. You want to like talk that, about so. rigged lotteries? There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm I'm going Hawks in six in this one. Okay, I've got Hawks in five, but I'm I, obviously biased. I, I I think I think six is probably right. Hawks in six. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, good talk, guys. Um, if you're listening to this segment and you're enjoying it, why don't you send in your picks? Uh, you can leave comments or email us or heck tweet us. Why not? Uh, in fact, if you want to tweet any of us uh, about hockey stuff, cause we will all be watching the playoffs from here on out. Uh, I am at okay. Soda, the letters. Okay. And the word soda. Uh, uh, I am at Lord Corbin, L O R D C O R B R A N. And really what we need more is more NWR people tweeting incessantly about sports. So if you want to exactly. join us with them, I mean, you really shouldn't. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm at Donald Mick and I'll be looking for streams since I no longer have cable. Oh, okay. I've got a website for you that maybe you want to look through. I had to figure out what channel CNBC was. (laughs) Yeah, like USA Network. I don't know what that is. (laughs) So, all right, cool. Well, thanks, guys, for being here. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, maybe we'll do another one of these as uh, this thing kind of winds along here. So, all right, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. See ya.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson, and today I am with Zach Miller. Man, I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Neil Ronahan. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, appropriate response. And uh, Nicholas Bray. Hello. <laughs> I, God, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to try and always... come up with some witty remark. <laughs> Mine was just honest. I, I always forget to have Zach go last. Please do that. <laughs> I don't know why you always just appear first, like, in my list, which doesn't make any sense. It's not, like, alphabet. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. He's first in your heart. First in my Dude, heart. Dude, that picture's right. haunting. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys missed it. Him and Alex did video chat when we recorded a segment uh, yesterday, which we went out here on this podcast probably later <laughs> uh, to kind of break the complete fourth wall here. And Alex was shirtless. I wasn't wearing yeah, pants. And I saw Zach's junk, so that was good. <laughs> um... Wait, yeah, it's a whole thing. It was it was <laughs> in underpants. Zach, you got naked in front of other men. If only. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about uh, this. So this segment, apart from Zach's junk, is all about listener mail. Um, we've had we're sitting on the listener mail for a little while. I think some of these date back to like maybe the end of January. So it's been a little while. But what are you gonna do? Uh, they are timeless. I mean, you could always send us more because it's part of the reason why we don't. Yeah, do we got like ten letters. We don't week. get much. True. Uh, you can send that shit into connectivity at Nintendo. I mean, should we just wrap the segment now? Should we just should we exit? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, good. Good to see everybody. <laughs> we yeah. yeah, this is a segment asking for mail. Yeah. yeah all right. Good. To, good. Good talk, everybody. Now, Zach, make with the junk pictures. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's let's jump into some listener mail. Um, we've got four emails and then one tweet uh, to read and answer, and some good varied stuff here. Uh, so here we go. This first email is from Kasaki Project, a uh, long-time listener of the show, and I think him and I follow each other on Twitter, actually. He I says, follow um, him as well. I, I believe yeah, we've met him at PAX the first, uh, Jeopardy? I think you're I right. think he was in the first so, Jeopardy. Kudos, kudos to you. Um, he says, yeah. uh, I don't know. I kind of just felt time. like sending you this, but I really appreciate all the work you put into the site and podcast. I've been listening since 2009. It's awesome what you do. Keep it up. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and then he goes on to say, my friend recently imported a Rosetta and Chico amiibo for me as a gift. Do you have any idea? That's a Rosalina and Luma, if you didn't know. Yes. Uh, and, and that's what the question is. Do you have any idea why the <laughs> name has changed for the West? I assumed she was always named Ro- Rosetta in Japan. Um, also, I hate collectors. I'm cool with people getting all the amiibo, but for God's sake, play with them. They, <laughs> they are toys. Yo, Kasaki Project, we are friends for life. Uh, Nicholas. Not only were you on our Jeopardy panel, but yes, play with your toys. Damn yeah, it. That's right. Uh, Nick, what, uh, what is it called in Australia, the amiibo? Um, blonde head, tall and the... girl, and blob. Star. Yeah. Fat star guy. <laughs> Fat star guy. Yeah. I wish. No, it's like the name just, the name takes up half the box. Now, I wonder, so, I mean, this is definitely a treehouse creation, the Lumali, Lumala, uh, welcome to the Luma shop. Um, I wonder what that was in Japan. Hmm. It's just like Chico Chi. I like Chico the name shop. Chico. It's just funny to me. It's like a Mexican star. Well, I was going to say... I mean, like, does that mean anything in Japanese? And I was going to say, is that you think why go here because, kind of, like, it, it does feel like it's just a Mexican name? Possibly. I can see that. Mm. Um, wait, wait, wait. This is, uh... What does Chico I'm, mean? I don't know. The, um, the loom is... It means pledge in it Japanese. Pledge. Okay. It means oh. pledge in All Japanese. Right. They pledge... Well... It's similar, uh, no, that spelling is Japanese. It's oh. similar, um, to, to Chico, uh, which is C-H-I-C-O, the Portuguese and Spanish variation. There's also a, a Sesco. It's similar mm. to that. 
I just know that there's a character in in Metal Gear Rising named Chico <laughs> who I hate. <laughs> Good thing. What, what were you going to say though, Nick? Um, I kind of remember. Uh, um, like I don't know. Luma is sort of you know starry and you know has like a connotation of yeah. brightness and stuff. Like I don't know. Yeah, that's probably why they went with it. Wait, hold on. I'm going to try to get to the answer. Um, I don't know. Do we know? Do we know who from Treehouse local <laughs> worked at Super Mario Galaxy and might be on Twitter? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh. You guys continue. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I, go. I love that listener mail turned into just like, well, let me Google that for you, and then let me like ask my Twitter <laughs> for you. Like that's that's what this segment should be. Just send us things you'd like us to search on the internet for. <laughs> it probably would have helped if we'd had someone like like this would be a good question for like the Famicast probably right. They'd be much more. Oh, that's true. About this. Hey, Famicast I, guys, probably <laughs> they you know answer this and, shit. Any of you dudes are listening? Yeah, answer, answer this on your next episode, please. Well, it's not, it's not like Rose, it's not like Rosalina is the only character that they like changed the name. Change like, Toad's exactly. not called Toad in uh, Japan. It's called what Kino something. Yeah, what's his name? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you know, you're right. Name, I mean, the names get changed all the time. So yeah, it's not that um, uncommon. But yeah, I I didn't know that she wasn't Rosalina. You know, universally. So that that's kind of interesting to me. Um, but while we're on Rosalina, let's talk about this, because I don't know if we've really addressed this. How do we feel about Rosalina as a character? Um, I love her. Okay. Yeah, she's she's cool. I do feel like she's, like, now the most popular Mario princess. Definitely with, is, with, she's got, like, she has some attitude. Yeah. And then I feel like Daisy's a close second for just some god-awful reason. Um, Good lord. I, I hate Neil, Daisy. is the microphone on your keyboard? All right, I just tweeted at Bill Trinan asking him why did Rosalina and Luma change from Rosetta and Chico during localization. And his reply would be, because I said no. so. Because <laughs> yeah, I run this shit. probably be something very trolly, maybe about the <laughs> Yeah, It's my only creative input. <laughs> I can name things. Right, I'm gonna... Neil, what are your feelings on Rosalina? Um, I think she's a really great Smash character. Um... Other than that, I, I don't know if I really care that much. I did like playing as her in Super Mario 3D World. Yeah, yeah. Um, the story in Galaxy was kind of cool. Dude, her story in Galaxy was amazing. Um, that was art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. I, For a Mario well, game, that's, shit. That's Yo, the man. thing. That's, uh, initially, I was like not into this whole like Rosalina push. I was like, leave her in Galaxy. Like, I don't need her in Mario Canon. Like, this, this obsession is kind of insane. But the more I think about it, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of a fan, if only because she does have, like, the most developed backstory of, what, any Nintendo character? Like, at least Mario character? She also, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And I like, dude, Luma's are fucking adorable. And she doesn't get kidnapped every other day. I don't think she's gotten kidnapped yeah, she's, yet. She's pretty badass. She's been, like, she's been, like, trapped on her observatory or well, something. Well, a lot of the games she's been appearing in, though, are, like... Just games where all a lot of characters appear in. Like I don't know if there's like a huge internal yeah. push for Rosalina until they come out with like a standalone game. Uh, you know, Super I wouldn't Rosalina really... and Luma. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'd play that game. I think that would be that would probably be the best way to do another Galaxy game without like focusing on Mario. God, yeah, dude. Because I don't. Maybe that's gonna come. Out I don't this want fall. another Mario Rosalina... Galaxy game. But if it was like a Rosalina spin-off, Super Rosalina like, Galaxy, maybe. yeah. I like I like playing as her in uh, Mario Golf. Oh, She's yeah, a good sure. character. Yeah, and I like that oh, yeah, she's she showing is. up in things. Yeah, she's really tall. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree. I would love to see her, uh, I think, get some more attention and yeah, maybe her own game or at least like not be a secret hideaway character in a game like 3D World. Like let her just be available from the start and be kind of part of the main cast. Like I think I'm good with it. I'd like to say, see them kind of take that same approach with some of the other uh, Mario characters. I love that she is sort of so developed and had like an actual story kind of wrapped around her, her character. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, if you really want to expand the character, just make a game like, I don't know, for, for maybe like the 3DS and you give her a par- parasol <laughs> that kind of becomes the main character of the story and then have that the only thing that she can do is, right. is cry and get angry. Oh, and then yeah. she uses uh, emotional powers to uh, do a, like a platformer. So it's like she's starring in her own platformer and she's rescuing Mario. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good, Neil. Progressing I, wish by they, I wish they made that game. Yeah. But she's she has she has a bipolar disorder is what you're saying? Yeah. You know what the tragedy of Super Princess Peach is? Is that it's actually it a good game. But like that story is freaking horseshit. <laughs> yeah. Neil, if you still have your Twitter client open, I'd like you to also uh, tweet at Bill Trinan and send him that pitch and just tell him to forward it to me <laughs> uh, when he gets a chance. Because um, I think you're onto something. I like it. I mean, it's very original. Never been done before. <laughs> no. Instead of tears, they're like meteors or something. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. She probably. How about we stars. have like a um a god game where Rizalina is like you know the god yeah. and can destroy galaxies and sort of sort of stuff. I like that idea. Act Razor with <laughs> Rosalina. <laughs> the women are like yeah, Zerk you know, and you know, like an Act Razor. <laughs> or, I mean, well, that too. That would be pretty rad. But like the Rose, like like the Luma could be like the person that like interacts with you in Act Razor, like the little like fairy thing or whatever, and then uh. And then, yeah, you play as Rosalina in side-scrolling stages, and then it's like SimCity when you're outside of it, and you're, like, building space. I don't know. Fuck. Man, we should work at Nintendo. We just saved 2015. I know. Uh, who needs, who just, needs Zelda? We just go, answered man. a later question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's how we're going to save Nintendo. All Rosalina, all the time. That's all it takes. Uh, let's move on to our next question here. Uh, this comes from Chris, I guess? C-R-Y-S? Chris? I mean, I guess it's cool. Sounds right. Christ, Chris. I mean, I don't think it'll be like when there's a guy named Ty Tim that wrote in for years and real, Kentucky really Tim. Kentucky Tim and we're Where all are done. you, Kentucky yeah. Tim? Yeah, we've we been missing Kentucky, Kentucky Tim, Tim forever. Maybe he moved. Maybe he's like Louisiana Tim now. <laughs> maybe he's like, yeah, maybe he's like Connecticut Ryan or something <laughs> like this, Chris. Change his name. <laughs> He's up. <laughs> Miss you, Kentucky Tim. Anyway, uh, so this comes from Chris Christ, uh, maybe Kentucky Tim. Hey guys, we've seen three Zelda games for the 3DS thus far. Two being remakes and one being a 2D Zelda. Uh, we've seen that the 3DS can do a 3D Zelda experience perfectly well. What do you think Nintendo could do with an original 3D title on the 3DS as opposed to another 2D one? Um, I like this question. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, could they ever just sort of use the now, you know, standard uh, Majora's Mask, uh, Ocarina of Time uh, engine, and just make something wholly original for the 3DS? I'd like uh, They could, but they won't. Poor K. They could. Well, why won't well, they, Well, because Zach? I think the 3DS's time is coming to an end, sure. for one thing. No, it's got, like, two years left in it. Two years well, left? they just released yeah. a new 3DS. Yeah, really? Does it really? Yeah, but they released the new 3DS around the same time during its life cycle that they released the the DSI XL. Yeah. The D- yeah, but you can't count from the XL. No, no, it's it's more No, you're you're off with with your with your time difference there. 
DSi was 2009. Well, the DS was the yeah, the, like yeah, the DSI was 2009. The DS was released. I mean, we can we can kind of when it was worldwide, it was there was a four year difference. Which okay, that's close. that's close. So yeah, it's about the difference of the DSI. Okay. Um, and even still, when the DSI came out, we were still two years away from that's the 3DS. True. And I'll be completely honest; I will be kind of surprised if there isn't a successor to the 3DS released uh, by the end of 2007. It's called iPhone Seven. <laughs> or 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 NX. Um, I mean, I think I think that not to just turn this into you know everyone's favorite NX nonsense discussion, but I, I mean, I, I guess in tying it into the question is that I think if they were going to do an original 3D Zelda, um, they they should have been already Agree. working on that. They, and they might wasn't, be, for all we know, what, maybe. Sorry, wasn't when, there like a, um, some sort of job posting at Grezzo, like, last year? Like, they were staffing up even more. Like, surely they weren't staffing up for Majora's Mask. Like, yeah, am I remembering that wrong? That might have... I feel like that was a long time ago. But, I mean, either way, I mean, I think that... I mean, I think you kind of run into the issue where I, I think that Grezzo, at this point, having worked on Ocarina of Time 3D and Majora's Mask, I mean, they've been they've been handling Zelda games for what six years at least mm. at this point, five or six years. Um, they've been working in the 3D Zelda space. I would love to see them, you know, use the the engine and the assets that they prettied up from Majora's Mask and make their own 3D I Zelda would too. game. Um, I think that would be really cool, but I think you also run into the problem with that. Where you would have ostensibly a, I don't want to say a rookie team, because Grezzo's not a rookie team, but like, not internal the Nintendo B-team. making a Zelda game that would be considered a successor, sequel, follow-up to Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Yeah. And unless that game is the second coming <laughs> of Christ, there's no way that that sounds like a good idea. I don't know. I think, I think they could probably pull it off. Like, they're not going to be left completely alone. Nintendo would be guiding the development. I mean, look at Metroid Prime. That was like a rookie team. <laughs> they like they can't Very be a rookie team. Yeah, but Metroid Metroid Prime wasn't following on the heels of That's Metroid. That's true. They Mask. established their own like vision of Metroid. It wasn't like let's make a sequel yeah. to Super Metroid. Well it would have to be like they have the, I mean, they have the like the the template there. All they have to do is come up with an like a, an original hook to make it, you know, fresher but if they're using that graphical style then they're going to draw comparisons constantly throughout all of development throughout when it releases to ocarina of time majora's mask and it's like i would i'll be totally honest i would love to see that damn game i would love to see grezzo make a 3d zelda game i just i think from from kind of a broader audience and critical view i i I think unless that game is perfect it's gonna get torn apart and i honestly wouldn't want to see those assets again they would have to. I thought, I they thought would have to. No, like the ones. characters, the character models. I've I've seen them all before, twice now. I don't want to see them again. Yeah. Especially because Majora's Mask was already in in its own way, kind of that like spin off remix version of Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And then yeah. Master Quest is too. Right. Majora already cribbed so many assets from Ocarina that yeah, like it is very glaring yeah. at this point. Yeah, you, you couldn't know, just what? reuse the same assets, but. I mean, unless unless they do something where, like, they take the base for that engine and then make a whole new art style. Because I think that's where it's kind of, I mean, when I kind of 
raise an eyebrow and just like, I don't want to see these poor guys like Rezo make a 3D Zelda and have it be compared to Ocarina of Time all the time. Like, maybe they change the art style, but use mm, the engine still. I would prefer it, like, be t- like, actually be, like, a proper sequel to that trilogy, like, make it a trilogy. Like, I want, I would want them to keep the same art style and everything. That's the problem, <laughs> No, but dude. they could make new characters. You wouldn't have to reuse <laughs> the character assets. You can make new assets, just use the same style. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Then you have Grezzo making a sequel to Ocarina <laughs> yes. of Time. That's you know, insane. So Everyone hated Majora's Mask when it came out, too. And that was made internally <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> Um, I, d- I just don't see the problem. I just don't really see the problem. I think like they, I think it would be good enough to to like put out another game. I think enough time has passed that you could release a quote unquote sequel to Ocarina of Time, and it wouldn't be the end of the world if it wasn't like the greatest thing you've ever experienced, right? I mean, let's think like, what if ten years ago we told you like all of a sudden it's going to try and make a sequel to Link to the Past? Like, would you have thought that that could have worked? To be fair, did did you hear what people said when when they said they were making a sequel to A Link to the Past? A lot of people revolted. Mm. Fortunately, that game turned out to be basically perfect. Great ass game. Exactly. So, like, I mean, you know, that was a sequel to, like, one of the weird games of all time, and they they pulled it off. Yeah. So, you know, I think think it could happen. I guess whether or not we think it, like, makes sense to do, my personal preference is, is like, yeah, I think I'd like to see a a 3D Zelda on, on the 3DS. I would too, and and I would like, yeah. yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I just, I mean, it it just kind of speaks to a broader thing about like, you know, Grezzo spent the 3DS kind of honing their skills on making remaking 3D Zelda games. Like, where do we go from here with them? And and I think it it's logically it makes sense to be like, well, yeah, put them to work on a 3D Zelda, but but how long is that going to take? I mean, even even if they were developing it, unless it's, like, fast-tracked for this year, which I think that would be insane, because they literally just released a game two months ago, um, you're not going to have it in 2016, because, or at least, especially if it's a new 3D Zelda game, it's not going to come out in 2016 as long as Zelda Wii U comes out. And I think that in 2017, at that point... Like, I don't think the 3DS is going to be a focus I wouldn't, anymore. I wouldn't put it past them to, if they were going to do it, I wouldn't put it past them to put out a, one last big title at the end of the 3DS's life. Like, I could like see Skyward it. Sword for the Wii. Yeah. And that worked out so well for Skyward <laughs> Sword, I know, but didn't it? Just think, if they're, if they're planning to replace the 3DS at the end of 2017, they've got to put something out in the during the year. Well, we said yeah, that I mean, about I the guess, N64, I mean, the GameCube... The Wii. <laughs> the Wii. <laughs> no, but I, I like the idea. I, I hope it happens. Yeah, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe, maybe whatever Grezzo's working on next is, is for a future console. Mm. Yeah. Or, or they're working on a smaller project. In Zelda between. 2 remake, baby. That would be so cool. Set in the Ocarina of Time. Oh, engine. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There we go. Mystery solved. We did it. All right. All right. Let's move on to our next question. Um, and I think this one will work really well with having Nick here today. Um, so this comes from, he didn't really leave his name, but uh, his email address said it was uh, Mac Verde. And I believe he is from Brazil. So his question is, is somewhat kind of in, in broken English a little bit, but I'll do my best with it. Um, see where we are. He says, well, he starts off right the bat. I'm sorry for my English. Um, Johnny Metz struggles a lot to read it on, on RFN episode 411. 
Um, well, the secret is Johnny actually never learned to read. We try not to like give him a hard time about it. Like he's a doctor, which makes it even all the more impressive. Um, but we just don't really say anything about it. So like Mac Verde, it is not on you at all. Like, cause I don't want you to feel bad about that whatsoever. Um, recently Nintendo left Brazil and left a lot of fans unhappy. Um, you guys know how expensive games are here. With all the new 3DS talk, I was wondering if Nintendo could come back here. Um, what do you guys think about a different approach for poorer countries to achieve the mass market? I'm talking about a 2DS without a cartridge slot, with lower battery, uh, without the gyroscope, without the microphone, uh, a worse screen, and all things you can manage to imagine to reduce the cost. Uh, with a specific region eShop that you only get titles after a year launch and slash the prices after two years. Uh, Nintendo would solve the problems about high import tariffs. Um, after you take the first hit to buy a 2DS, you will be able to afford to get games to play. Uh, I know the, pro- I know the, that product, it's not, uh, I know that that product would not be for me or people who visit Nintendo World Report, but at the same time, um, I'm tired. I've seen only rich people, people who throw all their money or just buy two games per year on 3DS meetups. Um, P.S. I hope you understand my questions, and I really like Nintendo News Report. Uh, well, we we really like yes. you. Great, great question. Um, I don't know. Do you, is there a, a reason for Nintendo to go through that much trouble to like develop specific hardware uh, for a region? I mean, is there that much money like incentive, you know, to do that? I don't think that would make that would be a good idea for them to try try and make a whole new hardware skew for it. What I could see them doing what they should maybe be doing is putting out just the hardware and forcing people to buy everything digitally, maybe. Yeah. Buy that. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, because piracy is, is the big issue in a lot of those regions, I know. Like, I mean, but that, I mean, that's not just exclusive to Nintendo. Like, um, I, I worked with someone a number of years ago that I think he, he was from a South American country and that when he moved to America, it was like he moved to America when he was in his teens and that, it was weird because he actually had to spend money on uh, video games because all they did was pirate them in South America. Cause that's just what you mm. did. There wasn't, there wasn't an affordable yeah. option. Yeah. And there was a huge piracy scene because of that, because everything's so damn expensive that you, you're just, yeah, that's kind of, it's, I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get away from that. That's a, an upstream problem, a government problem. Which yeah. is very unfortunate. But right, I mean, I think you're right. I think going the digital route sort of uh, like circumvents that and gets around that issue. Um, you know, if they could put out a Brazilian focused like eShop, like just for them and like maybe, you know, price appropriately, it would be good, you know, good for them. <laughs> they might make more money off it. And I'm not totally up on what, like, I think it's Nintendo of Latin America. Like, uh, I think that Nintendo pushed heavily in that area for a while, and I think they they kind of backed out of it, which I don't think there was any official reason why, but I would assume if you put effort into a region and then back mm-hmm. out of it, things probably didn't go the way right. you planned. So it seems like they might have tried to fight against right, the It was like way too much of an undertaking, um, which I imagine it to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I I would feel like horrible to be living in Brazil and be a Nintendo fan and not have the means to like play the games. I mean, I feel like we really take that for granted. I mean, we get upset when like a game releases in Japan and doesn't come here for like five months. I mean, imagine like reading Nintendo World and like hearing about everything but having no access to it. It's pretty shitty. <laughs> now, I will say that our Brazilian friend should 
feel good and I feel jealous that Brazil has so many awesome dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Because goddamn, I mean, so like, yeah, ever. you can't play Zelda Wii U, but you've got a bunch of old bones in your backyard. So you tell me, you tell me, Mac Verde, yeah. who's really winning? I can show you an old bone. It's probably. <laughs> You could you could go and try and find a dinosaur bone and sell it, and you could then that's afford- true. If you make a massive <laughs> discovery and like find a new species of dinosaur, you're set. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's that's, that's going to be super easy. I'm sure Zach just says it, lying all around. If you find a new species, if you find a new species of dinosaur, email uh, Zach Miller at NintendoWorldReport.com. <laughs> Name it Silly Soul. There you go. Perfect. There you go. Um, but yeah. no, that really sucks. I mean, I don't know like what the import scene would be like there. Um, I think he might have mentioned that a little bit in his email. I'm assuming that's equally expensive. I, I vaguely remember um this email from RFN. I think wasn't it, it was something like if they do um go to the digital way, they you it's like it's hard to do digitally as well. There's something blocking it as well. Nintendo like does something. I can't remember. Oh, like digital region. Like, well, is it kind of like how Netflix, like you can't Netflix, like outside? Yeah, of... yeah. There's like a bunch of hoops to jump through, even just to like buy them digitally. Yeah, right. you'd have to import the hardware and the games at that point, I imagine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's it's just a tough situation. I but I really don't see them like creating a special like bastardized hardware to just there. Um. I mean, obviously they found at this point like that the juice might not be worth the squeeze. So I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I hope something. I hope they find some way to resolve uh, the issue there. Unfortunately, it doesn't look good now that like they've just completely pulled right. out of the market. Like, they're not. They're probably not going to go back there anytime soon. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, Mag Verde, if you want to write back in and kind of explain a little bit, like maybe what importing is like there, and maybe the struggles with that, or even the cost of that, if that's not even really a, a good option, I'd be interested in hearing more about that, and we can maybe talk more about this at some later date. But. Um, yeah, in the meantime, let's start, like, a Patreon to get you a Wii U and a 3DS. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, let's put Patreon to good use for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next question. That was a dig, man. <laughs> yeah. well, people people do good stuff with Patreon, but it's like, I, I just, I feel for this dude. I feel bad. Mm. Well, um, going to cancel the Patreon for my cat picture. Yeah, work. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, jerk. <laughs> Um, all right, this next Adam, our question comes from Adam. And the question, or I guess not really a question, it's like a, just a, a scenario um, that we will now navigate. You get a phone call. Iwata has stepped into an advisor role, and you are the new CEO of Nintendo. Outline your strategy. Only you can save Mario. Drugs. Drugs? <laughs> so many drugs. Yeah, can you imagine if like you were just like on the corner and you were like, yo, man, let me get a little Mario. Yo, let me get a, let me get a, a, a super mushroom. I mean, you're already in the state of Washington, Nintendo. Actually, super like, mushroom might literally already be a drug name. The more I think about it, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I saw someone on Twitter. I think it's a. Uh, oh God, I don't remember who it was, but someone on Twitter mentioned about like, I wonder if there's a strain of marijuana called Samus because there should be. <laughs> Jeez. And I agree. <laughs> and Nintendo of America is in the state of Washington. Where, where marijuana is illegal, so they should just start growing, man. <laughs> and name it after video game characters. The Nintendo World Pot Store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and every, like, special, like, Stiastra hand is named after Mario. <laughs> you Nintendo got some character. of that dank Kirby shit. <laughs> <laughs> Superstar. Yeah, I, I need that mother brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
man. There we, I mean, what else? Neil, do you still have Twitter open? Can you get Bill Trinan back on the line? Because <laughs> <laughs> we just saved Nintendo, man. Outline yeah. of strategy. I mean, um, mm, yep. Um, I'm so, okay, so, so outside of drugs, what are, what are their good options? Bayonetta Amiibos. Oh, yeah, that was your suggestion. Yeah. With every One costume. for every costume she has. But they can't just be like regular. No, see, the sad thing with that is that they put all this effort into Bayonetta Amiibos and then like none of them would sell out. I think they would say well, no, you've just got to you've yeah. just got to make them appear rare, and everyone would want exactly to buy them. Exactly right. <laughs> well, that and too, I, I think they if you're going to do bayonetted amiibos, if you're going to basically target like the Zach audience, they have to be like they can't be three inches tall. They probably need to be they like need to be two like feet twelve tall. inch twelve inch figures or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? quarter scale baby. Yeah, highly detailed, maybe removable costume parts. Thick, wide bases. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> oh, rubbery tops. I guess where they're going now is is kind of what I would have wanted. Like going mobile to me, I think was very important, um, and I think they're handling it the right way. Like I like the idea that they're creating specific like experiences that make sense on handhelds and or on mobile platforms and don't like compromise their current uh, not necessarily IP but like current like library of games. I guess because like as soon as they compromise uh, too far. The 3DS is worthless. The Wii U is worthless. You know, like there's such a fine line, and they like seem to be walking it very well at the moment. But we haven't seen anything like come out yet. What's going to happen in five, ten years? Uh, yeah. Hmm. We haven't seen anything yet, but we kind of have. I mean, if you look at basically every free-to-play Pokemon game on the 3DS right now, and like all the other kind of free-to-play stuff they've done, I mean, that's like perfect for mobile. I mean, Pokemon Shuffle, like. For sure, right now they could just like release that on the App yeah. Store and probably do very well for mm. themselves. Um, Even Rumble you know that World. that's very much, uh, yeah, exactly. And they're both um, really so fun games too. They're they're gearing up for it for sure. Um, so I I like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I mean, we obviously are very critical of Nintendo at times, but to just kind of step in and like say like, well, what's going to save the company? I mean, I mean. I, I think there's there's a multitude of things that you could probably do, and I think that some of the things that you, like because you don't want to you lose the uniqueness of the company, but I think that they're in a spot where I think Japan kind of controls too much. I was going to say the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. It needs like, to be a Sony of Japan, Sony of America kind of thing. Because I think I think that there are, there are smart people in Nintendo in Japan, there are smart people in Europe, there are smart people in America. Out of the four people that work at Nintendo of Australia, I'm sure there are very smart people there too. Yeah, um, yeah they're all right. <laughs> yeah, don't you see them like every Nick, day? Nick? Nick, Nick knows every single person. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see with the um, PR guy sometimes. <laughs> um, but, but I, I mean, like that, there are smart people there, and I think part of it is that just like there's so much control coming from NCL that. That, you know, America and Europe and every other region, they can't really kind of do anything without getting endless approvals. Yeah. So you're really stuck. I mean, we, we've seen that kind of rear its head with, I mean, I think that the probably the clearest example of the left not knowing what the right's doing is uh, back when Evo was banned for, or Smash Brothers was banned from Evo a couple of years ago. And all that was was miscommunication because... You know, you did have people that you know, clearly Nintendo was trying to foster the esports community for Smash Brothers uh, on Wii U and 3DS. And, like, the legal team or whatever didn't know about that. And we're just like, okay, this is how we always do business, so we're just going to say no. Yeah. 
Um, and it's just that kind of that tone deafness that Nintendo seems to carry on, whether it's through their YouTube stuff or, you know, um, oh God, there was another thing that was on the tip of my tongue. Oh, no voice chat in Splatoon and just the way oh, they approach God, online yeah. in general. Yeah. Like it's stuff that like no one else is doing. And for certain things that Nintendo does, them doing stuff that no one else is doing is great because it's this fresh perspective. But for a, a bulk of things, like, like the YouTube stuff, like the way they deal with esports and Evo, I mean, they're getting better with that. Um, and, and like the, the online stuff, it's like they're, they're behind the times. And I, I think if, if those things weren't an issue, you know, people wouldn't be so dismissive of a lot of Nintendo things. Like there's, there's a big group of people out there that just kind of laugh off Nintendo as a system, as a series competitor in the gaming industry. And that's because they're not on par with anything that Microsoft and Sony's putting out or even what's on PCs. Mm. And, and seemingly purposefully so. Yeah. And it's, and it's weird for me to be like, oh, they need to be more like their competitors because I don't, well, yeah, I have they PS4. Do, I play my Wii U and my 3DS way more than I play my PS4. I don't play PC games. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not the majority. Um, I want Nintendo to keep on making games the way they're making games because I, out of the past couple of years, the, the games that I actively dislike that Nintendo put out and like regret spending time on and purchasing is very, very low amount. Mm. Like the way they're rolling now, I'm really happy, but it's, I don't think it's sustainable. No. They need, they need, we're the minority. Need guys. more fans, need more fans, younger fans. And I almost feel like they've kind of, Taken for granted the fact that they, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle twice. I mean, first with the NES, which, I mean, for the longest time, America was happy just to, like, lap up whatever was coming from, like, the Japanese gaming culture. But I think Nintendo lost out of the fact that then America steadily developed its own gaming culture that was, you know, in contrast to what's going on in Japan. And then with the Wii, I mean, that was such a huge success that I thought that they could just, they, I feel, I feel like they, just kind of thought they could repeat that with real no no issue with the Wii U, and that obviously turned out to not be the case whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I think that I think they thought it would be easier than it than it really is. No. And the Wii, I mean, they kind of got lucky with the Wii. Like if the Wii had not worked out the way it did, they also got lucky with the DS and the Game True. Boy as well. Yeah, yeah, True. Mm, they got lucky twice with the Game Boy. Pokemon gave it a huge boost at the yeah. end of its yep. life. Again, another Japanese, you know, centric and focused game that came over here and did well. Um, but at some point, like, you kind of have to. Yeah, can you imagine, can you imagine that these days, like, the next Nintendo system is coming out and the look of the hardware is completely different from Japan, like you guys had with the Super Nintendo and, like, the NES oh, as yeah, well. But, like, they completely redesigned it to suit the market. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it would ever happen again now. Well, I mean, it's a global market now. Yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, I think that even just changing the names and stuff, though. Yeah, yeah we we like, we use yeah. a bad new 3ds. <laughs> yeah, new 3ds. Wii U. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think that going forward, I mean, just a lot of the stuff that even like Iwata says and what you hear out of him, just like the stuff about like, oh, you know, we're just waiting for that one big game to get the Wii U or the 3ds. You know, on the map, like that doesn't happen. No, it's certainly not going to happen like on anymore. Any system, it happened. I mean, let's be, let's get real. It happened with Wii Sports, but that's that's not something that you plan on. That's as we talked about. That's lightning in a bottle. And I think that 
as long as Nintendo exists, I feel like they're going to be kind of in this thing where they're scraping to to get to get out of third place, so to speak. Um, and every now and then they'll they'll get lucky, whether by you know dumb luck or, I mean, I mean we can say that the Wii was right place, right time. Uh, visionary design and and dumb luck to an extent, yeah. like kind of a mixture. It was a, it was a perfect storm. It really was actually. And I feel like sorry, I feel I feel like that's the way that Nintendo is going to be going forward. Is kind of you know staying the course, staying around. I mean, yeah, they're making this big thing with mobile, um, and I think that that will either do gangbusters or it will just do well enough so that way they stay alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> How exciting. <laughs> uh I know. Um I I don't like I don't like thinking about the future of Nintendo too much because I think it, it ends with me not playing their games as much because they're not for me anymore. Very true. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Let's uh, move on then to our final <laughs> question. Um this comes from Saturday Morning Mood, which I can only assume is a sex thing. <laughs> and he says, I'd like to hear No, he's talking about cartoons. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, I get it. Afternoon <laughs> Saturday delight. Morning mood. Yeah, that's like the prequel yeah. to that song. I'd like to hear the crew discuss why they think Game Boy Advance <laughs> virtual console games are on the Wii U eShop, not on the 3DS eShop. Uh, um, yeah, I don't, you know, because why would you do the logical thing? Well, you I don't see, know. guys, um, the Game Boy Advance can't run adequately on the 3DS. <laughs> right. So they can't do it without ad- I don't even know what Axe is doing. Um, I mean, I mean, I know that the harebrained excuse was that they were able to get the Ambassador games working on it, but those were just like workarounds, crappy yeah. emulations. No, they weren't. They weren't yeah, emulations. They were actually yeah. right. Wasn't it like yeah. shifting to DS mode yeah. and then from DS mode like shifting to Game yes. Boy Advance mode? Yeah. Like, wasn't it like two layers yeah. of emulation? Yeah. And 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 I I think the excuse has been that they haven't been able to get GBA emulation running through the 3DS portion of the system well. Mm. Um, or at least that's like... That's you know what, what I bet it could said. work on now, though, is the new 3DS. Um, exactly right. Like, it would strike me that the yeah. new 3DS has the horsepower, yeah, to be able to run to run 3DS. They need to uh, put out something to convince me that the new 3DS was worthwhile. If they can run fucking Xenoblade yeah. on yeah. the new 3DS, then, then like... You can run Golden Sun. <laughs> yeah. You can you can run Super Mario Brothers Advance too. <laughs> I think the um, I mean you don't more... have to. That's not a very good game. <laughs> I think the more annoying thing actually aside from GBA is not having just DS yeah. games on it cuz that poses no problems at all. Like they've put the Wii titles out in a similar manner to what I assume the DS ones would yeah. work as like I don't get no, I it. think we should continue to play Yoshi's Island DS on a vertically oriented gamepad using the classic <laughs> controller. Hey guys, Pro. guess what I was doing? I was playing Yoshi Touch and Go and WarioWare Touched on my gamepad. Um, within five minutes, I, I took the stylus and I jammed it right to my <laughs> eye. <laughs> you know what they should do? They should get the Wii U to stream GBA games yes. to the 3DS. There you go. Perfect. So the Wii U can handle the actual processing and horsepower aspect of it. Yeah, and- yeah. It just, the 3DS displays it, yeah. I would, you know what's funny? I would probably play a lot more GBA games on the Wii U that way. <laughs> I'd be sitting in bed playing the 3DS. I'm wondering if, A, it's, yeah, too much of a hurdle to kind of, like, technically get it to work. 
Um, well, while still keeping all the 3DS functionality, like, in line, because as, yeah, I mean, as we know, like, the, the ambassador games disable a lot of the 3DS hardware, uh, capabilities while you're playing them. Well, they disable all Yeah, of and I also wonder, too, mm-hmm. if it's an issue of, they've kind of looked at the data, and virtual console games just sell better on consoles versus, like, handhelds, or maybe specifically Wii U versus 3DS. Well, I'm guessing that Game Boy and Game Boy Color games, uh, sell better on the 3DS. <laughs> yeah, because they're only available there. But like, do you know just just statistically, do Wii U virtual console games sell far and beyond what's available on the 3DS? Oh, now, I granted, see do people really want to download Game Boy games versus like Mario Galaxy Two? Uh, you know, maybe not. So maybe the data is skewed in that way. But maybe they just look at it and think yeah. it'll get more sales on console, and maybe we want to divert more attention to the Wii U because it's kind of floundering right now. I don't know. They they they're incapable of keeping both focuses. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's true, and I think that, I mean, really, you, there's not a large team on Virtual Console if there is, you know, a, I mean, there is a they've team got a guy on downstairs. Console, clearly. <laughs> that's yeah. intern. <laughs> you you know you're gonna you're gonna slowly work on you know the emulation for different systems. It took them a while to even get DS running on Wii U. Like I remember, like like a year and a half ago, Iwata was like, "We figured it out." And then it took him a year and a half to actually do anything about it. Hey, Steve. It. Steve, we're going to need you to, to port uh, Yoshi Touch and Go to the Wii U. What? God. <laughs> I guess I'm working through my lunch Do it today. now. Do it by next week. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe Steve can start a game with Rosalina. <laughs> Steve and Smash Brothers. <laughs> Steve the intern. All right. Go to the Smash Ballot uh, website. <laughs> uh... What are his special abilities, Zach? Uh, emulate, uh, where <laughs> he where he copies another attack uh, fighter's attack poorly. He has an attack that he, he has an attack that launches and then is delayed by five minutes. <laughs> there you go. On there his you down, go. I like on that. his down B, he says we do not comment on rumors and speculation. Yes, <laughs> perfect. And his 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 uh, forward B is working for college credit. <laughs> <laughs> now what he's what was his up B? Um, his up is, is avoid uh. blame. <laughs> no, it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work because it wasn't emulated properly. <laughs> There's an error. <laughs> he, tur- he turns into a DS screen on a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's his final smash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the I think we just saved Nintendo again. <laughs> yeah. Steve the intern should be CEO. <laughs> Hashtag Steve the intern. Get it trending. Yes. People. When this episode goes up, I want to see Steve the intern out there God, on Twitter. To tweet to Trent. Make that <laughs> He's the new generic action figure man. <laughs> Whatever happened to that? I know. Like, that was so charming. You know, he should be in Smash Brothers. <laughs> I really, I actually thought that guy was going to show up in like more stuff and it was going to be like a thing, but it was like one video yeah. and it was it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wonder at E3 this year what what fan base that Nintendo is going to troll. Yeah, the character you've all been waiting waiting for, Captain Rainbow. <laughs> Probably Amiibo fans. That's actually they trolled they trolled Mother Three fans twice now. Once yeah. at E3 last year, and and once at this most recent direct. <laughs> yeah. I really, there was a moment when I was watching that direct that I was like, Mother Three is coming to America, <laughs> and then they're just like. The star of Mother 3, Lucas. He's going to be in Smash Brothers. I'm like, that's that's still pretty cool, but, like, really? But half your audience <laughs> is saying, who? What? 
No, everyone knows him from Smash Brothers. <laughs> That's what he should have said. Lucas from Brawl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hit game Smash Brothers Brawl. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that is going to do it. Um, thank you so much if you sent in mail uh, in the past two months that we read it on this episode. We appreciate it. Send it more, and we'll do more of these, and we will continue to like make fun of RFN and Nintendo. <laughs> Um, you can do it, Johnny. <laughs> um, you can do it, Satoru. <laughs> send that listener mail to connectivity at com, And yeah, we would appreciate that. And I guess that's it. So um, thank you for All listening. Right. Thanks, guys, for being here. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bonus segment of Connectivity. I am Scott Thompson, and today I'm with Alex Kalafi. Hey! And Zach Miller. First things first, I'm the realist. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah! <laughs> He's dropping Iggy Azalea right out the gate. This is going to be a special segment. Who dat? Who dat? Z A C H? <laughs> I just want everyone at home to know, too, that uh, Zach has his webcam open as we're doing this on Skype, which is the first time we've probably ever done video chat while recording the podcast. <laughs> And so just seeing Zach say these things is even better than hearing them. So I just, the world needs to know that, uh, even though you'll never experience it. So anyway, this bonus segment is all about Bloodborne, uh, the PS4 exclusive from From Software uh, that just released a couple weeks ago now. Uh, and, you know, from the developers of Dark Souls and things like that. Oh, God, Alex has now joined the video chat, and he has no shirt oh, on. No. Oh, no. Pants. Oh, God. Oh. I just saw Zach's wing. Wow, this is more difficult than Bloodborne. This is bad. <laughs> so, anyway, assuming I got to minimize my Skype now. I Cannot unsee. Join the party, Scott. It opened up. No, I will not. <laughs> So anyway, this, uh, we've all been playing Bloodborne, uh, the PS4 exclusive. We enjoy it quite a bit, um, you know, more or less. I think Zach is maybe having a little trouble, but that's all right. Well, we'll talk about that. Um, none of us have beaten the game yet. Uh, we're still probably, I think Alex is the furthest at like 15 hours, so you don't really have to worry about spoilers in this segment if you're still making your way through it. Uh, we're going to talk about the early sections of the game and the difficulty, how it compares to Dark Souls, and kind of what Zach's feelings are jumping in without having played a Dark Souls or Demon Souls game. So... Let's get right to that. Um, and I, I do, I do want to start with you, Zach. I just can't, I can't wait any longer. Um, so you just got your PS4 pretty much right around the time this released, correct? Was it? I don't know. I, I don't know how long I'm it's been sure. out. I mean, it, I, the game's been out like two weeks. In the, oh, about okay, how long then you yeah. Your PS4. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you mostly pick it up just because it was a PS4 exclusive and you wanted something exclusive to play on your new shiny PS4? I mostly picked it up because it came with a PS4. 
Oh, it did. It did. Okay, great. It and uh, it came with that and a digital code for The Last of Us, which I promptly burned. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so jumping into Bloodborne, uh, what have your what have your thoughts been about it, Zach? It's um, it's really hard. Yes. And but it's it's kind of the good kind of hard that I like. It's the it's the masochistic kind of hard that forced me to beat Project X Zone and get all of the collectibles in Donkey Kong Country Returns, even though I hated myself for doing it. Uh, so it's, and, and it's, you know, once you get to a certain point, or once I got to a certain point, I knew what to expect from different enemies. Right. I knew how they were going to react and, and how best to approach them. Uh, I knew how to kind of uh, lure one enemy away so that I wasn't that- mobbed. That's key, yeah. Yeah, um, but even still, uh, I'm getting uh, boned by the first boss, the the cleric beast, mm-hmm. mainly because the camera is your biggest enemy in that fight. Yeah, that is kind of a hard. I I almost wish they had picked a smaller scale boss. Like I know they kind of want to show or put it in a bigger the, area. Well, yeah, I know they kind of show like the the grandeur of the game. And, you know, I think kind of get you to, like, jaw hit the floor right from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but that is, like, it, you get in so tight and so close to him that it, it is very difficult to really see and appreciate what's going on. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard, and I didn't do this, but I've heard if you don't actually lock onto him and you just let your camera, like, free, you know, like, free roam, that it's a little bit easier to keep track of. And he's so oh, big, you really true. don't have to, like, worry about, like, missing him. Yeah. So maybe try that and the camera will maybe be a little bit friendlier. But even getting um, but, to him is a pain because you your entrance point to the city... Um, the central Yaraman or whatever it's called, yeah, is like a mile away, <laughs> and it's a mile that is caked in enemies. And those two yeah. werewolves, especially on the bridge, just gang rape me every have time you, I see them. Have you, have you found the um, the campfires, the the bonfires that are basically your checkpoints? Did well, you? by now you've probably only found one. I mean, that that's that's what lets you go back to the hunters. Oh, well, that's, those, so that's, the, yeah, those aren't campfires. They're like lamps. Yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. lamps. Excuse me. There's but, yeah. there's the one lamp in the where you very first start the game in the in the ward, doctor's ward, or surgical mm-hmm. ward, and then there's central Yaraman, which is right outside. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my two recommendations for that fight <laughs> are two one. For every single boss in this game that I've played so far, I've played like five or six, the uh, the solution to the great puzzle of beating them is either circling, strafing, and uh, stabbing them, and just running away, okay. or it's countering with your gun, and then running away. And uh, Yeah, I haven't figured out the counter stuff. yet. I know it exists, but I haven't, I haven't got the time so it's, it's like a parry. The The way the gun works is pretty much just a parry, because you're not doing that for damage. What, what no, you do you're not. Whenever whenever they're like pretty much a second away from hitting you, like when they pretty much raise their weapon, that's when you fire the gun off. And it works oh. on most enemies who are comparable to your size, and like okay. kind of bigger. With this specific boss, what you want to do is you just want to be constantly circling him, and then you wait until he misses. Like he's he about he swings his sword thing. You roll to like the left or right, and then after he swings, you hit him once or twice, run away, and then wait for him to come to you. Circle and repeat. It's not actually that tough of a fight. It's uh, I think I ended up beating that on my first try, but partially because I uh, 
I had those Molotov cocktails, which do oh, yeah, run out of those. Boss. Yeah. I ran have out of those that, on the werewolves. How do how do you have, kill the werewolves without dying quickly? What you should do is actually skip the werewolves. Um, there's like a second path that you can take to the bridge that actually lets you bypass the werewolves. Oh. And it also, you can use that path to open a shortcut that will like shave off like 10 minutes of getting back to the first boss. I need to explore more is what you're saying. You do. Yeah. It's kind of hidden. Um... After you, like, clear out that area, that first area with the big fire and, like, the big mob of enemies, um, when you leave there, you come to, like, that big uh, next open. I think it's kind of around a fountain, and there's that giant that's, like, beating on the door and everything. Um, When you first walk in there, if you stick to the left, there's, like, a pile of, like, coffins against a fence. If you roll and break the coffins, there's actually an opening in the fence, and you can drop down to a new area. And there's a bunch of, like, rabid dogs there that you'll have to kill. But after that, you just keep going. You'll enter a house with some uh, some creepy guys in there. And instead of, like, going to the top floor of the house, which you need to to go to the, the boss, if you exit out the back of the house, uh, there's a gate that's actually – it's the closed gate, if you kind of can visualize it, at that uh, old Yarnum like, checkpoint where you're always starting at back again. Oh. There's the path to the right where you can go, and then there's a gate immediately to the left that's locked. Yeah. You can unlock that. No, I've unlocked that gate. Uh, that shaves a lot of time. Sure, that shaves a lot of time off, but I still end up, wind up on the bridge faced with werewolves. Hmm. Do you have gone that way? Because if the cleric is at the end of the, end of the bridge. Yeah. The werewolves are at the front of the bridge. Right, and this path like drops you at the middle of the bridge. So oh. You're, like, past the werewolves. Okay, then path. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. I'll look yeah, around. So, yeah, give that a shot. Okay. Um, have you also gone back to level up? So I found a mask of something or other that gave me, uh, whatever it's called, the ability to level up. The doll comes to life. Yes, yeah. So what I've been doing is, um, because the game is an asshole and doesn't level <laughs> up all your stats when you level up, Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have been farming gold and going back to, without dying, just running back to a checkpoint, warping into the yep. dr- hunter's dream and leveling something up. That's the way to do it. It yeah, takes it, forever, but it's it what does. I've been doing. Yeah, it. Um, that's what I did too. I, I guess I'm my my skills aren't as quite as sharp as Alex's. It, it, I without leveling up, I just could not beat that boss. So I did that. I farmed that early mob by that like that fire a, a handful of times, and then kept returning to level up, focusing mostly like on strength, endurance, and vitality. And then once I'd done that a handful of times, then I, I was able to take down the boss. So it's a really yeah, good I, game, I though. Too. I mean, it's really. It's it's the kind of punishing that teaches you how to be a better player of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, like it, it, deaths in that game hardly ever feel unfair. Right. Um, and I feel like you always kind of learn from every encounter, both like in terms of just enemy placement and traps, and also like how enemies act, like you said, and how to best counteract. Definitely. Uh, you know their different abilities and strengths and yeah. attacks and things like that. Um, so yeah, so I really enjoy it. But that so that's super interesting. Well, I hope you stick with it and, and try will. to take down that first boss. Uh, my my wife was funny because she was sitting on the couch uh, doing something while I was playing the first time, and like every time a new monster appeared, I was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> <laughs> like the first time one of those giant cement-handed bad guys found me, yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, he's gonna kill me!" And he killed me. Yeah. Uh, but then I uh, I I got really good at approaching them from behind and doing that. Uh, I don't know what you call you, Well, you you charge you up your charge attack it. and you hit him and then you grab him and the, like grab his heart through his back and yeah the visceral attack yeah kill him right called. away yeah yeah that's the uh, that's 
pretty much the counter to a parry, generally, right? It's that, like, critical hit. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but when you parry them and then, like, they fall to their knees and then it goes into that auto scene. It's, I'm going to uh, have to practice that. Yeah, practice with the gun, like, on the, the early mobs and, and until you get it. And then, yeah, that's huge because you could do that against the bosses. And when you successfully do one of those, it takes off such a big chunk of their life. Like, that's nice. essential in beating them. Yeah, that's the whole point of having the gun. Because, like Alex said, it's worthless for, like, actually dealing damage. Yeah. So just practice on those those low-level enemies. And even the giants with the, the big cinder blocks, like you're saying, just practice on them. And, and once you feel comfortable with it, like, it, the game gets a lot easier. Um, I will say that... that Alex and I were talking about it, and I don't think Bloodborne is as difficult as Dark Souls 2, but I do think the beginning of the game is more difficult than Dark Souls 2. Um, just that that early mob around that that fire, like, if you're thinking this is kind of a standard third-person action game, you know, Devil May Cry, something like that, like, you probably feel like, okay, like, I can just take these guys down. You know, like, they wouldn't put enemies here that could just easily swarm and kill me. Like, I'm probably more powerful than these guys. This shouldn't be a problem. But that is, like, completely wrong. <laughs> like, without a doubt... Um, and I find it interesting that you're almost expected to die at the first boss, um, <laughs> because that's what unlocks the ability then to level up, which you, except for Alex, who's apparently God's gift to gaming, uh, <laughs> you need to like level up to be able to handle that first boss. Like I, I find it interesting that it's punishing in that way. And it basically at least forces you to play that early part twice, if not more, because I'm, I'm sure you're going to die more than twice. Well, I, I found whatever that mask of something is before the boss. And that's what let me level up without beating him. Right, exactly, yeah. It, what happens is when you see that boss for the first time, it gives you one insight, which then that allows you to Oh, just up. when you can't... see him? Yeah. So maybe that's what happened. Right, the okay. mask, you're, yeah, the mask of the madman or whatever, that gives you extra insight, which I'm not 100% sure what extra insight does down the road, but yeah, you have zero insight up until you see the boss. Every time you see a boss, you gain one insight, so, So yeah. do you want me to explain what insight actually is? Oh yeah, sure, go for it. Okay, so insight is this... Uh... It's kind of this currency that you keep pretty much in your game where it builds up every time you feed a boss, uh, see a boss, uh, and then like you can also take items that allow you to increase insight. And insight allows you to do things like, it, it, I think it opens up the store, I think it, uh, it has something to do with allowing you to level. Like, there are crucial things that open up by you having like one, two, or three insight. However... As you build up insight, as I am doing right now, uh, the game becomes harder. So oh, let's okay. say there's a purely melee enemy who is only known for swinging something at you, but and he does a lot of damage, but that's really it. Now he actually can get a projectile attack, and, and now maybe his wow, eyes okay. glow. So like once you hit certain points, enemies get much stronger. And the way, so maybe, you, yeah, go ahead. I was to say because every time I found like the mask of the madman, I've just used it to increase my insights. So and maybe <laughs> I shouldn't do that, is what you're saying? It's, it's <laughs> you will have an easier game the less insight you have. You probably, if you want the easiest game possible, you don't want to go much further beyond 15. However, uh, when you die in certain situations, you can lose insight. But I haven't died in that many situations, and I've just been using the insight. And in addition to that, I my game is not connected to the internet. So I'm playing oh. a completely offline Bloodborne. So now I have like 38 to 40 in sight, and I'm just, uh, it's still not that hard yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like at 17 or 18 right now. 
Um, so I've already increased mine above that nice, easy setting of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I don't mind it getting uh, much more difficult, but that's interesting. I, I like that about Bloodborne. I love how much there is to sort of, like, discover and how much you learn just by, like, discussing it like we're doing here. Yeah. Um, whether it's alternate paths, like we just told Zach, or, like, the, the purpose of the insight. Like, it very much reminds me of playing games back in the day and, like, just discussing it with your friends, like, on the school playground mm-hmm. and just learning learning things you had no idea about. Um, it's just so interesting to me. I yeah. made the, the comparison with talking about Dark Souls before, but to me it's, like, very much it sort of recaptures that spirit of, like, The Legend of Zelda on the NES. Like, just so open-ended uh, and just so mysterious. I, I love that. I would actually say that the game is more accessible than some people give it credit. Uh, not only does it have the scaling difficulty system, but compare that to Dark Souls 1 especially. Dark Souls 1, you were pretty much just expected to wander off, uh, do whatever you want. Eventually you'll find bosses, eventually you'll kill them. Uh, the game does not care, uh, how powerful you think you are or should be. The game will make you constantly feel weak in a way where uh, every time you actually do manage to succeed against the boss, it will feel like a major accomplishment. And in addition to that, uh, Dark Souls is very slower, deliberate, lumbering combat. Intentionally so, so you'll feel like a a knight in shining armor, actually, Mm -hmm. and what that experience would really be like. It's a wonderful thing. And then Dark Souls 2 kind of takes that, but it makes it uh, slightly more linear, and then slightly easier, I think, than uh, the original Dark Souls. What Bloodborne is, is it replaces that slow lumbering combat with much faster combat that uh, is actually more uh, accessible to someone who likes faster action games, though it's certainly still in a league of its own. Shields are now gone. You can't use shields as you could in Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. Though there is a shield, but it's kind of like a joke weapon. Instead, what you're doing is, uh, (laughs) what you can do instead is use a gun as your left-handed weapon instead of a shield, and you fire it when someone's about to attack, and you can parry and stuff. So all you're doing is you're constantly rolling, dodging, parrying, and stabbing with your melee weapon, and it's the super fast combat, but at the same time, because there's no shield and because it's faster, the game's actually pretty forgivable. Like, the bosses, in my opinion, so far, are not as hard as many of the ones in Dark Souls 1, and even Dark Souls 2 to a certain extent. In addition to that, uh, the insight allows you to have sliding difficulty that if you use more people to come into your game online and help you out and co-op on bosses, the insight will go down. But if you're really good at That can happen? You can do that? Yeah, oh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. It's, I think something's got to happen. Like, I haven't done it yet, but, like, you, there's uh, there is certainly a way to bring people into your game to help you. Yeah, it, it's almost how it was. It, it's almost like the opposite of how it was in um, Dark Souls 2. So there's an item you get. It's a bell, and you use the bell, and that basically allows people to enter your game. So I think if they pass the location where you use the bell, they, there's something on their screen where they can, like, click it, and then they oh. join your world. Um, whereas in Dark Souls 2, they left something on the ground and you had to click it to bring them into your game. So you're basically like opening your game to invite people in. So that's true, Zach. If if we coordinated it, because it's not, it's not like a, you can't use like a friend system. There's no way to just say like, I just want my friend to join. Uh, Unfortunately, there's, there's the share play thing on PS4, which I, I think has actually been used. Or if it's not the share play, it's something else like specific to the PS4 that does allow you friends to come into your game. Does it? Yeah, okay. but it's uh like Dark Souls though. It's generally just strangers like to wander in. 
Right, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, exactly, we could coordinate it where it's like, if you, if we're playing at the same time and you tell me, okay, I'm gonna use my bell here, I could come into your game and help you beat that first boss. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was a huge component of Dark Souls. I, I haven't done much of it at all in Bloodborne. It seems very much, uh, like diminished here. Uh, similarly in Dark Souls was the PvP, which meant in certain areas very frequently, uh, <laughs> enemy, uh, guys, people would enter your game specifically just to kill you. No, like nice. other actual players. Yep. Yeah. I think there's PvP here, but I think it's much more isolated. It's not as, like, prevalent through the whole game as it was in Dark Souls. So, uh, but yeah, we should mess around with that and, and give that a shot. So let me, let me ask you a question about the first two games. Go for it. The thing. Well, three. I, There's three, but yeah. Three. Oh, that's right. It's, it was Demon Souls, Souls Dark Souls, Dark yeah. Souls Two, Bloodborne. So, the screenshots of monsters and bosses I've seen that are coming in Bloodborne mm-hmm. look pretty awesome. Like, yeah, you know, creature design wise. But but the I've watched some videos of like Dark Souls One and Two. And the bosses especially are like knights or, yeah. you know, living armor. Yeah. Um, look pretty dull by comparison. Is that true? Because um, I'm a guy who likes I... good creature design. So would I like the first two games? So so here's the thing. They are going after two very different themes. This one's like more gothic, more horror. It's, I mean, uh, everything's influenced by werewolves. I mean, that's the whole right. Werewolves, the, vampires, the story, everything yeah. is uh, in that. Well, Dark Souls. I I don't know if I'd call it medieval, but that's like the attitude I would more attach to it. Like bosses that are medieval. Like I think there are still you're still gonna see dragons. You're still gonna see some crazy ass shit like later on in the game, but it's not as like terrifying looking as the bosses of Bloodborne. However. There is uh, an upside to Dark Souls over Bloodborne, even if you prefer the creature designs, and that while Bloodborne is this cool, dark horror game, it's dark pretty much 100% of the way through so far. It's very similar, uh, gothic backgrounds, uh, darkness, bosses that are fucked up in kind of the same ways, uh... So there, there's a bit more sameness in having a game as dark as Bloodborne is, while the environments in Dark Souls, in my opinion, are far more varied. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you get you get different settings, I mean, different lighting even. I mean, Alex is right. I mean, it, like, Bloodborne is pretty much exclusively dark, and then even as you progress, it gets darker, because, like, it becomes night. <laughs> so do, you, um, do you, like, travel beyond Yarman, or are there different levels? Kinda, it's or is it one much... gigantic overworld that kind of blends together? So what, it's all connected. Uh, like you yeah. can walk from from one area of like the starting point that you're at now, like to the to the furthest point. Oh, okay. Um, so everything's connected <coughs> in that way. So it all does feel like very much part of the same setting. Like it all feels like that gothic London London that you're mm-hmm. seeing now. Um, but different locations within it. That so like the backgrounds and environments serve whatever purpose it is. So like you'll find churches and graveyards and like huge castles and things like that yeah i i I agree with that it's uh but also as you get deeper into the game you're going to be able to fast travel to lamps uh way more conveniently right yeah and that's huge yeah so you can just jump from jump to place to place which is nice um i also find that Bloodborne is a lot more forgiving in Dark Souls because here's something, Zach. Uh, in Dark Souls, when you die, you turn into basically an undead, and there's an item you can use to turn back into human. Um, functionally, there's not really much difference between 
uh, being undead and being human, with the exception that, well, the major exception, in my opinion, is as you continue to die as you're undead, you become more and more undead, and your maximum health actually decreases. Oh. So imagine how you're at now, where you're at this first boss who you can't beat yet. Imagine now, like, after you've died four times, you've lost a quarter of your maximum health, and now you're trying to beat that boss. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> like, that's what Dark Souls does to you. Now, eventually, you can find an item that, like, heavily reduces that penalty, um, and eventually you'll have such a stockpile of the items that turn you back to human that it isn't necessarily as much of an issue. Um, uh, but that's incredibly punishing yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That would suck. The, uh, yeah, it feels like they simplified a lot of the systems from previous Dark Souls games into this one. Like previously there were these Estus flasks, which were your potions that were limited and also had a limited amount of health that they could heal. But as you explore the game, you can find more flasks, you can find more powerful flasks, and this is basically your potion count, which regenerates every single time you die. In this game, you pretty much just get the blood vial potions that right. you can have up to 20. You can find them pretty much constantly, or sometimes not at all, as I've noticed is sometimes the case. <laughs> like, sometimes you just have really bad luck and you don't find yeah. them, but normally you can just find them constantly. You don't really worry about leveling, at least at my point in the game so far. You just, they're potions and you can use it. And the same way that there are... I don't know if I'd say fewer systems, but definitely fewer combat systems you need to worry about. You just have to know about dodging, you have to know you know about uh, killing, you have to know about parrying, and then you have to know like a few basic stats that the game fully explains. In Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2, I pretty much needed to use FAQs and game facts uh, oh, quite a bit until I actually found uh, myself more confident several hours in. Well, yeah. I will say too though that um, Dark Souls the combat is a lot more varied. Like you're like Zach, you were concerned with the creature design, and I do think there everything's more interesting in Bloodborne and a lot darker. Like Alex said, a lot more like gruesome. Uh, but Dark Souls I think benefits from just having such varied combat because in that it's very much the traditional like you create a class and define what your what you want your character to be. Oh. So you can create a mage or you can create a knight. And you can create someone who's using two weapons or someone who uses one weapon with a huge shield that can, you know, absorb lots of damage. So there's a lot of different ways to play it. Whereas with Bloodborne, that's not the case at all. I mean, you have to be, like... Yeah, I noticed. You know, in, the enemy's, in the enemy's face, like, just, just cutting away, grinding away. And, yeah, and, I was surprised when I started up the game and it said, what kind of weapon do you want to use? You want to use this giant axe or this bigger axe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you want to use this this boomstick or this other boomstick? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I spent an hour on my character's face, and and <laughs> now her face is obscured by scarves. Yep, you will never see her face. Yeah. <laughs> never. <laughs> um. So and so I enjoy Bloodborne, but I do wonder like how much that hurts the like the replayability for me down the road mm -hmm. because like you can play Dark Souls two two completely different ways. Yeah, um, but I don't feel like that's really going to be the case case with Bloodborne. But I mean, I could be wrong. Well, we'll are they, see, is but... Bloodborne an attempt to bring it to a wider audience? I think so. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, this one's made in collaboration with uh, what's it called? Studio Japan is that what, what Sony's? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so they're making it in collaboration with them, which I think was also the case with Demon Souls in Japan, despite it being published by Atlas in the West. I feel like Sony's getting behind this game and wants to take Dark Souls to the next marketable level. Which, I mean, of course they want to do every single time, but it feels like they're taking it seriously now. And they're looking yeah. at the PlayStation 4's need for a good game, and also their uh, 
huge ass early audience, and I think they're trying to take advantage of it. And I haven't seen sales yet, but I would not be surprised one bit if Bloodborne cracks the NPDs next month. Oh, what the hell sure. else is coming out? Right, it's gonna it's gonna crack. It's gonna be high up there. Um, it, I I could see it finishing first, honestly. Um, just because yeah, there's not much, especially in terms of like multi-platform releases that we you know would use multi, you know sales from Xbox One and PS4 to to commute, cumulatively beat it. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Alex. This is totally a big push to make it the mainstream like Sony franchise. Yeah. Um, so, but I I'm happy to say that like it doesn't lose anything in that in my opinion like i'm still very much enjoying it despite the differences from dark souls 2 like i it's still a great game um i'm surprised at really how how dark it is um there's like so this is a little like side thing that you can do later on that leads to the second boss but um as you're walking through london you can talk to people through the windows who are like you know hold up in their homes waiting for everything to end they're like fuck you to me yeah exactly well because they don't want any part of it right um but you happen across a home where it's just a little kid and her dad has gone out to hunt because he's a hunter and uh his or her i can't remember if it's a little boy or a little girl i think a little boy but either way and the mom has gone out to uh find the hunter, I think, to, to give him something. Um, so the little kid's at home alone, and he gives you a music box because the mom forgot it, and the music box helps the uh, the hunter kind of remember who he is because you can oh. kind of, just based on, like, how he's talking, like, you can tell something's kind of wrong with the with the father. And later you find that boss, and the cutscene that intros the boss is him, like, hacking the mother apart, like, with a, with an axe. Like, he's completely lost his mind. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, you're fighting him. Now, after that boss, you get the uh, the red brooch from the mother if you go find her corpse. And you have the option to either cash that in yourself and get a bunch of uh, blood echoes, which you can use to level up and stuff. That's the currency. Or you can take it back to the kid. Um, I chose to take it back to the kid, and you get absolutely nothing, and all you get treated to is just the kid, like, crying and asking <laughs> you to asking you to stay because he doesn't want to be alone. <laughs> like nice. that's that's your reward like that's it like great so does the um, music box help the boss fight ease make yes, it easier or something yes yeah so you can use the music box up to three times to stun the enemy basically oh. yeah yeah it like he just like stops dead in his tracks and like grabs his head and is like stunned for a good chunk of time enough to get in there and do one of those charge attacks and nice. like, get a good amount of damage on him so huh. yeah so it's a good boss fight, and yeah, I mean, the, the game's just like that. It's just incredibly, like, dark and depressing throughout. Yeah, nice. So. But also... Much more so than Dark Souls ever was, in my opinion. But uh, but at the same time, the uh, the fact that it's so dark and... Uh, I, I guess it's still brutal, even if it's not quite as brutal, at least, even this far in, is that just makes it all the more rewarding when you fight one of these excellently designed bosses in this dozens of hour RPG... And then finally come out on the other side after attempting it five times in a row and mm-hmm. failing until you figure out that one trick. Which is the, the entire appeal to this series is extremely careful, deliberate combat, even though it's way faster this time around. Excellent, uh, brutal bosses that make you feel absolutely fantastic uh, after you beat it. And, yeah, and Zach, yeah. you're going to feel amazing when you fe- beat that cleric boss, like I'll the bet. cleric beast. For sure. Uh, but can I yeah. can I say that the minute long between death load times are a real buzzkill? Yes, that yeah, is a problem. It's, it, those need work. It's that yeah. no yeah. one no one's really arguing with that. Yeah, even the frame rate stutters quite frequently. It know? does actually. Yeah. 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 
So, yeah, it, it definitely could use some ironing out there. Maybe there'll be a patch at some point that improves those things. That'd be nice. I could see them, like, really pushing to get those released in this window when it's not really competing against anything else. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, all right, well, I think that will do it for our first Bloodborne second. I could e- segment. I could easily see us coming back and doing another one, maybe once we've beaten the game or just gotten a lot further. Um, so, yeah, if you've been playing the game, you know, email us or comment and tell us what you're thinking about the game. Uh, maybe ask some questions or something. We'll answer it next time we do a Bloodborne segment. I'm, I'm definitely down to talk about the game yeah. some more. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm so. going to keep playing uh, it. I like it. Good. Uh, yeah, and Zach, yeah, let's, let's talk, Zach. Let's try to coordinate meeting online, and maybe I can enter your game and help you out. Nice. So. And if, I will try stuck... to get this first boss myself, though. Good, go for yeah, it. No, absolutely. Uh, if you've stuck around to the end of this segment and you still have not bought Bloodborne and you have a PlayStation 4, I think this is the first must-have PlayStation 4 exclusive. It's a fantastic, artisanally wow. designed RPG that has all the content you could want, all the challenge you might want, and it, it doesn't feel like an early launch game. It feels like a game that a team worked on and tried and put their heart into. Will people be arguing that maybe this isn't as good as Dark Souls at the end of the day? Will people be arguing that it's better? Sure, on both counts. Maybe it's better, maybe it's a little worse. But this is a game that feels like a full, not-launch, uh, real-ass PlayStation 4 game. And I think that's something worth supporting. Yep. I was I was going to say, like, really? The first? And then I thought about it, and I thought... What else is there, really, that's exclusive? It's, you were just talking about The Last of Us remastered. Yeah, uh, that's that's one of them. It's a 44-gigabyte <laughs> download, and I said no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that will do it. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye. this bonus segment of connectivity i'm scott thompson and today i'm with nicholas bray hello scott hello and, and amanda albert wow so manly <laughs> i think i can hear connectivity coming in <laughs> well that, that was not but something it started strong and uh yeah we're here to talk about some doctor who um it turns out what was it last week maybe two weeks ago now i guess by the time you're hearing this uh, i was actually the 10th anniversary of the doctor who reboot uh, the 10th anniversary of when uh, Rose aired the first episode with the ninth Doctor. Um, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about that episode and, and then even just kind of revisit how we all got into Doctor Who. Because I, I know, at least for most of us, Nicholas, he's he's the, the wild card here. I have no idea when he got into Doctor Who, but I know for Man and I, it's it's closely linked to the reboot. The year was 1963, um, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. It's like, this is where we find out! <laughs> I'm actually like 60 something. (laughs) 
He incepted you. I mean, what, I just assumed that, like, just, like, looking at Hugh Jackman, they're, like, all Australians just have incredible genes and always look young. So I'd believe it if you told me that you were, like, 60 years old. I would buy it. Racist! <laughs> but it's, like, good racism, right? That's not so bad. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about hey, Rose. Off to a great um, start, as usual. Yeah, we are. Yeah, this is classic Doctor Who connectivity segment right here. <laughs> no, 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 because we have not mentioned the master. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel like we. It only took us eighty million times, and we got it. We figured it out. I mean, eventually, right? Like you, you have to get it right at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Rose. Uh. Let's talk a little bit about about this episode and, and when we all started watching the show. Um, a little confession for myself. Um, I had heard a lot of people talking about Doctor Who. This was probably the summer of 2011, maybe? Maybe 10. I'm getting my... It might have been 10. But either way, um, you know, like, I, everyone had been talking about Doctor Who at some point, and I, I knew it was a thing and very popular and supposed to be very it good. It was in the air. Yeah, it was in the summertime air. <laughs> And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us, I'm gonna give this show a shot. I'm gonna jump in here. And it was one night, it was just me. I think my, my wife was already in bed or something. So I, I crept downstairs to, you know, watch some scandalous Doctor Who. And, um, I started the first episode and I feel like this isn't really so much an issue now, but Netflix has a, has a lot of, used to have a lot of issues where just like things wouldn't play and wouldn't work. Um, so I actually got to watch like the first five minutes of, of the first episode and then it had an error and like wouldn't, wouldn't keep going. Um, so I had to skip to episode two. So it actually wasn't until much later that I went back and watched that first episode. Um, and I, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of the first episode, if I can be honest with you guys. I think the second episode is much, much better when like, what is it? The end of earth? Isn't that the, the second episode? I think that's a very interesting, uh, episode. I find the, the, uh, you know, plastic dummies to not be a very, uh, exciting villain, uh, for the first episode. I know, I know they, they've appeared before in the classic series, but that's just my, my little bit of story before we really jump into the episode. But what about you guys? Like, how did, uh, what'd you guys think about it at the time when you first watched it? I, uh, I recorded it on VHS and, like, we watched it a lot. Like, <laughs> uh, cause I, when it aired in, um, the UK, I think there was like a three or four month, uh, gap between, like, between then and when it aired here in Australia. So, you know, I tried downloading it. My connection was really, really slow. So I never got to download the first episode. <laughs> um, cause I was waiting for, waiting for it for ages, like leading up to it. So I was like reading forums and sort of getting excited about it. Cause the, um, wait, 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 wait. What kind of forums? Let's. Uh, the original, the original outpost Gallifrey, uh, which is now known as Gallifrey Base under like new management. It's like one of the largest Doctor Who forums Whoa. out there. <laughs> this is some inside baseball shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was like reading that and cause like the ABC here in Australia, um, started airing the series from the start. Um, I think for the, it probably was around 2003 for the 40th anniversary. So like when that all sort of happened, they like just started playing it from the very first episode all the way through. So that the original series was like wrapping up around the time Rose, um, was about to air. I think there was a little bit of overlap, but I stopped watching it during the Colin Baker stuff and the Sylvester McCoy stuff. Um, so yeah, 
watching those, it was I th- I liked most of it, but with this and even like later on, what the the Slitheen and stuff, um, the two parter there, like there's some good moments in both episodes, but I don't know, it just felt like, especially with the Slitheen, they were. I don't know, if I was grinning the show, I wouldn't have tempted fate in putting this sort of wacky stuff in. Because, like, it could have easily gone the other way and people hated it and they got it shut down within one series. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like they wanted to, if they didn't latch onto that, like, inherent, uh, like, camp element from the classic, like, it wouldn't jive well. But I think they, you know, they underestimate how much smarter audiences actually are now. Like, they don't need that slapstick kind of, you know what I mean? Mm. Guy in a rubber suit, <laughs> hijinks, Scooby-Doo bullshit. Farting monsters, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. like, that came down to a bit of the direction, apparently, as well. Like, I think um, I read somewhere that the original script, it was all meant to be a lot more sort of not as wacky, if you can believe that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how you could do it without being like wacky but still the word that was used was sinister more sinister (laughs) i will say though and and this is like persistent throughout doctor who but especially this first season it's the frequent moments of sort of like silliness and lightheartedness that makes the moments where it gets darker and more serious that much more like pronounced and impactful to me like i mean coming from like the friday monsters and then going to the uh world war ii episodes or arc i guess you could say um was really good i thought and like the the kid is creepy the are you my mommy with the you know the gas mask like burned into his face and then all the way up until the end with you know captain jack like pretty much ready to like commit suicide to save everybody and then you know the the doctor saves him like that that made that whole uh arc that much more exciting because it was unexpected to me at the time because i i really like i was enjoying it but i kind of thought yeah you know this is this is kind of silly i don't really necessarily see the appeal i don't know how long i will continue to watch it but mm. then that those two episodes yeah exactly <laughs> but then those two episodes were like oh wow no this, even this... when you don't want to anymore yeah. <laughs> like this is something special like this is something I, that's that's worth special watching. is a word <laughs> it is series <laughs> series one i like is i find really pretty good overall because it it introduces like pretty much everything you need to know about Doctor Who over the course of the, mm. that one series. It, and that's like, hard. That's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, there was so much ground to be covered. That I forget that sometimes. There was a lot of fucking shit that they were gonna have to cover and like not make it look totally fucking stupid. Yeah. I would. I couldn't have done that better. <laughs> and for like for some reason, still like because I, I rewatched Rose um, the other day and. Um, I've watched like other episodes of series one relatively recently and Eccleston comes across, there's something about him that makes it feel more real, even more real than any of the new doctors. Cause when David Tennant took over, I liked him, but it lost something. It lost some of that sort of, he's a very uh, natural actor. Yeah. Um, like that, there's a scene in the Slovene two-parter at the very start where Rose and him have come back and they're sitting on the rooftop and stuff talking about whatever. And um, I always like like that scene, those sort of scenes. Me too. I, lo- I think of that one a lot. It's very – it just feels like a conversation that you would have. Mm. Like I, I watched it about 15 minutes – I just finished about 15 minutes ago oh, before I walked in here. And I remember – I just recently watched one of the 
Capaldi ones not long ago. And I said to Mike, I was like, isn't it interesting how here they're all acting like normal human beings? Like, everything that they're doing makes sense. You're not like, that's a weird motivation. Why would he say it that way? Like, that's not how anyone would behave. <laughs> like, No, you're it, right. Like, the Ninth Doctor uh, is so much more grounded. Uh, and so and is everybody else around right, him, right. too. Yeah, it's yeah. very clear what everybody wants, and you understand why, even if you don't agree. Ugh. Yeah, and I feel like Exhausting. I do agree that that has been lost. I I feel like gradually as it's gone on, and now that I I feel like that's especially pronounced now with the the with Capaldi's Doctor. Unfortunately, because I enjoy Capaldi's Doctor, but there's definitely he's some... a great actor. And he does that. He does it really well. Right, it's... but the, the story around it sometimes is lacking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. Um, he's doing the best he he can with the material he's given. It's uh not for anything on his part. It's just. I don't know. The writing is not bad, but it's very inconsistent. Yeah. So, Amanda, what about you, though? You haven't really said, like, what what drew you into the show. So how did you get I've managed to fucking put my two cents in every step of the way, though. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I started watching it, I think, in about... I must have started watching it late 2010, early 2011. Okay, so around the same time as me, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, um... And I kept hearing about it from different people that um, I shared a lot of similar interests with. And then I was also listening to uh, the Nerdist podcast, and that is a constant reference point. And I was like, well, I feel like I have to listen to it just so I can understand why they're laughing now. And so that quickly just, you know... Have a ADD, so <laughs> turn into an addiction quite quickly. Yeah. I must know. I must know. It makes me feel like uh, when I was a kid and I was obsessed with Sailor Moon, and I had to get every fucking trading card of Sailor. Yeah, Moon. <laughs> and it kind of has that feel because it it is like it, it does or like feel, Pokemon. Yeah, because it does feel like foreign and unknown at the same time because you're not really getting in on the ground floor. I mean, especially jumping in when you and I did. So it's like there's already seasons beyond what you're starting with and then there's so so much to explore and there's like, like a ton before. of history exactly so and it, just aside from like that show and the the characters in the story it's also very easy to get obsessed with like who wrote that one mm-hmm. what was the you know story with the production at the time like mm. all that crap can be can be interesting too yeah i agree like the Oh, there's bubble wrap in this fucking episode because bubble wrap was brand new in 1974. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Yeah, it's, like, it's funny to think that um, back when that aired, like the Yuck in Space aired with the bubble wrap, people would have gone... You know what episode? <laughs> of course I do. It was season 12. Oh, um, you know what's... At first I was like, yeah, like it felt perfectly normal. I didn't think for a minute. No, that's weird that he... Most people would think that's weird. It's great. It's great. But yeah, the the bubble wrap in that was like, oh yeah. Everyone would have like not known really know what that was and like it was oh it's an alien skin. Now we I just love laugh it, at it so much. It's so funny every time. <laughs> it's a good story though, that one. <laughs> yeah, but I love that kind of stuff about the show too, where they you wonder why they did this weird thing and maybe it's some weird little tale about what happened with production and this thing broke. So that's why they did it that way. It's like, mm-hmm. oh. Now, starting with Rose and moving on, Amanda, were you instantly hooked? Did it take some time before it really got, like, its hooks in you? How, how did it um, go? 
Well, I watched, uh, I knew that there, what really piqued my interest was, uh, I obsessed with Vincent Van Gogh and I knew that there was going to be a Vincent Van Gogh episode at some point. And I was like, well, who, which doctor do I start? I'll just do that. I'll skip ahead. And so then when I caught up with all the Matt Smith stuff, I went back and started at Eccleston and then I burned through that. And then who's this curly haired? Weird big teeth freak. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's pretty like yeah. I, I watched that. I watched that one like not that long ago, and it's a pretty good episode. And um, it's really the end. It's it's really the end though that hits you. Like the that ending is so good. Right, when they still couldn't stop him from, from killing himself. And uh, no, yeah. they bring him forward to the future and uh, Bill Nye um, oh, yeah. uh, gives him that speech about how good he yeah. is and stuff. Right, right. And the music. and like It's so good, that scene. And you guys don't understand. If Bill Nye is in it, I am. I have seen it. <laughs> so on top of that, he's in it. Yeah, it, that's an incredible episode. It's such a good standalone episode. Like you, I feel like you, even like an art fan could watch that without really understanding Doctor Who, and still, I think, get a lot. That's out of why it. I was like, yeah. I gotta stick this shit there out. Are, there are episodes like that during Doctor Who where you could just, it, like it's, it sort of rises above being like in continuity Doctor Who, and anyone could like just jump in yeah. and watch it. That's uh, the episode. If I ever want to hook anybody, that's where I'm like, watch this because everybody knows Van Gogh. It does not matter. It's so, what everybody is doing, again, it's like Rose, the way Amy's behaving makes sense, the way the doctor, it all, there's no, like, dumb fucking, there's still surprises, but you don't sit there there confused the whole fucking time. Right, I agree. Yeah, to me, it's like that episode and Blink are the two that, like, if you want to get some of the Doctor Who, like, show them those two episodes, and I feel like you've got Blink is a good one, too. Yeah. Like, for completely different reasons to me. Like you said, like, Van Gogh is more about, like, exploring the the story of the characters and then blink is so much you're more just, about like you're the... able to see the the emotional depth right. that is that's potentially there right and it's then not to just me sci-fi blink is like a, just a great example of the storytelling and, and the mystery of it and how that yeah. can all come together like so great uh it's you so know, clever yeah so um but yeah so i mean that's, that's, that's but i will say eccleston is great he's underrated he is he's one of my favorite new doctors like I don't, like I said, it's hard to put a finger on why, but there's something about the, that season and uh, the way he interacts with people and stuff that feels more real, even when, like, the stuff happening could be ridiculous. Like, yeah. It just it doesn't feel like he's acting. It feels like you're just – he's just happening to have a conversation. These are his lines, but, I mean – it's it's very much just how he would be naturally anyways. And he's not a superhero. You know, I feel like it's steadily the other, eh, up to Capaldi, because I feel like they they worked really hard to give Capaldi fault and make him less, like, just 100% uh, likable, which I, I think is good. But to me, um, yeah, the Ninth Doctor is, is, is much less of a superhero and, and sort of on equal footing with the rest of the characters, I feel like. That's actually something that was, at the time, I like, vaguely remember people sort of, um, not complaining about, but sort of talking about that... Um, season one and that all of the new series really the doctor becomes he doesn't really resolve as much uh of the story like he sort of like it, that could fall to like rose or the companion like some whatever like um he's not like the one that usually resolves the issues a lot of the time it sort of just happens or 
um, you know, even in the first episode, like Rose, like she saves him and everything. I do feel like that's more realistic, though. Of course, yeah, of course. But um, I'm just, I'm just bringing it up as a point of interest. Otherwise, that batting average, <laughs> just. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I, I mean that that that's pretty much it. I just kind of wanted to, to use this opportunity of the, the tenth anniversary to talk a little bit about how we got into it and uh, our initial thoughts of the series because I think everyone by now knows that we, I mean, love the series for better or worse. So I think it's I think it's interesting that apart from Nick, I mean, you know, Amanda and I didn't really have much experience with it and then got completely addicted to it. <laughs> Nick is like OG. Yeah, Nick's legit. It was ten years ago. And I was still recording things on VHS. <laughs> yeah, that's the best <laughs> that's part the of the story. the only way I could get, um, keep You're going to have like one. a big Doctor Who VHS around your neck. <laughs> I've yeah. still got like six VHS tapes <laughs> with like old episodes on them. Nice. Yeah, I still got Gargoyles on VHS, so. Don't, let, don't let that go. That's not on DVD, right? <laughs> it is. It is? <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> so, all right. Well, yeah. Oh, Mike hates me. <laughs> <My case too. laughs> so that'll do it um amanda nick thank you for for being here i'm sure we'll talk some doctor good who again meeting. good meeting yeah <laughs> we'll talk some doctor who again in the future when there's uh some new episodes to discuss gotta and, get that uh, fix that's right we will uh talk to you guys later bye okay, bye, bye. Welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson, and uh, it's time for some Jeopardy. Uh, my co-host today is Zach Miller. Peter's going to hate, 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 hate. You are on a roll this episode. That is two <laughs> segments now where you're coming in with a musical interlude. I like yeah. it. Uh, and then our contestants today, uh, I think the last time we did this on the show, we might have done listeners, but fuck the listeners. It's back to staff. Oh, wow. Uh, our first well, contestant, right, Neil Ronahan. Way to burn bridges, dick. <laughs> Hey, I'm out, so I'm a, I can burn all the bridges I want. Have you have you like made it a form a formal thing on this this episode, or are people going to be like, why did why did Scott leave? <laughs> no, no, this is the first time where it's being mentioned, which is probably okay. the worst segment for it to be mentioned in. <laughs> uh, but there you go, that's your that there you are. Uh, Andy Gergen is our next contestant. Hey Zach, hi. I'll write your name. <laughs> you just, I, I don't know what that means. I just don't know what that means in that stupid song. Yeah, I know, but it does a sweet sound sound effect of a pen clicking. I thought it was like I thought it was a gun cocking. Uh, And then our third contestant, (laughs) Nathan Mustafa. I'm looking forward to something a little different than the Smash Brothers tournament because I will only be letting down myself today. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're we're putting you against JP in the next game. It's good. It's good. What if they self-destructed at the same time on their last <laughs> sock? That would be incredible. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, we're going to take a flying leap is... at each other and down B while we're, while we're over nothing. The, the funny thing is that, Nathan, despite you not winning a game, your team could still win the whole fucking thing. Like, you've yes. got a it's reasonable great. chance. It's great. 
Yeah, yeah I'm so only sorry. has to play once during each each of the playoff matches out of five rounds. So. Yeah. It, was, it was so fantastic in round four when you guys were like, "Hey, Nathan, can pull it off this week." Oh no, he died. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we were like in mid compliment to him. We were like, yeah. Nathan's lost every match, but yeah, yeah I was like, even I was like, going like... over my stats, being like, well, yeah, everyone he's lost, he's he's it's been down to his last life, it's been close, and then he fucking loses with two stock to the other guy, <laughs> and like self destructed a couple times yeah. too. To talk that was that was the laggiest match I've ever played. By the way, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to just blame the lag, but I'm going to just blame the it lag. Contributed. <laughs> if it weren't for the, the lag, it would have been a close loss as opposed to a poor loss. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is Jeopardy, believe it or not. And um, Zach wrote the questions. Zach and I are going to host. Uh, we're going to see who's the the champion here between these uh, newscast OGs. And yeah, it should be fun. Uh, Zach, do you want to introduce the categories for the first round? Sure. The uh, first round categories are because I'm happy, in memorum, remakes, make mine mega, club Nintendo, and in indies. Okay, is in memorum, is that like a play on words, or is it supposed to be in memoriam? That one, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I was just you like, had me convinced for a minute that I haven't been getting it wrong all my, all my life. <laughs> Neil, this is a, it's a podcast. We Apparently I've been spelling. getting it wrong my whole life, Andy. <laughs> um, so just for the fun of it, since we were just making fun of him, uh, Nathan, why don't you get pers- pick, uh, pick at the board? Uh, I'll take in memorum. <laughs> <laughs> all right for how much um, wait, wait, wait. but before we do is there any like do we have to let him finish the question or answer yes. before yes okay. yeah read the yeah we have to read the whole question uh i will take the lowest denominator available <laughs> 100 dollars, great denomination uh so here you go uh so for 100 dollars, uh this crimson clad and goggle based console was on the market for less than a year between 1995 and 1996 it is considered a collectible today Uh, looks like Andy. What is the virtual boy? That is correct. <laughs> uh, the board is yours, Andy. Oh, uh, let's just keep going. Cool. Uh, so for 200 despite getting plenty of screen time in The Wizard, this NES accessory sold poorly and performed even worse. Looks like Andy again. What is the power glove? That is correct. Mm. All right. old, old shit. This is my. This is my. <laughs> no, you're going. just getting in faster. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all oh, right. That sweet Nebraska high speed internet. And Nathan, is there more lag you'd like to blame right now? <laughs> no, that's that's what I'm gonna blame here. I don't think I would have come in on time, but maybe second. <laughs> there you go. The, all right, for 400, uh, the Ocarina of Time Master Quest was originally supposed to be released on this Japan-only hardware expansion for the N64. That looks like Neil. Yeah. Uh, what is the Nintendo 64 DD or the 64? That is DD? correct. I love, by the way, that they nearly released hardware in America. That would have been called the Double D. <laughs> Almost uh, as bad as we. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so Neil, where would you like to go now? Um, let's go. I want to know. I, I'm curious about this one because I'm happy for the lowest denominator for 100. Okay. Once it's friendship or happiness stat is high enough. This Pokemon evolves into Blissey. Neil. Uh, what is Chansey? Yes. 
If you didn't say Blissey at the end, I had no freaking idea. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a Mortal Kombat question for the first half of it. <laughs> Debatality happens then. Uh, let's, uh, because I'm happy for 200. All right. Uh, this way forward Wii game is still the only one that features a hug button. How? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is uh, Boynus Blob? Yes. I realized if I send probably a shorter message in, in the chat, <laughs> I'll probably get through a little sooner. Just, That's correct. That we'll have to have our have our message typed out and then just hit enter. That's I think what I've been doing. That'd be kind of a dick move, but uh, maybe. <laughs> Go ahead. You guys can have. Yeah, all you have to do is press enter. That's fine. Okay. I did. Well, okay. oh, that's a good right. point because they only use this. Yeah, the whatever. Okay, Nathan, what's next? Uh, let's go one up. One oh, in the same category. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in this cartoony Super Nintendo platformer, you would not want to make Peter Puppy unhappy. Oh shit! <laughs> All right. Boop boop boop. Uh, the answer is what is Earthworm Jim? Shit. Huh. <laughs> I was I was like, it's something like Earthworm Jim, but I don't think it's Earthworm Jim. <laughs> uh, Nathan, the board remains yours. Uh, we'll keep going. Okay, 800. If your bliss score is high enough in this 3DS game, you can learn to ride a tortoise. <laughs> yeah, Neil, I knew Neil would get that. What is fantasy life? Yes, sir. Oh, damn it. Riding a tortoise in that game is really fun. It is, actually. Better than a horse, because horses are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I named my, my horse after my grandpa, who died around when that uh when that game came out. So Now we can't make fun of it, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a little girl in Poland, everybody had a pony. All right, so do we, got, what, do we have one more because I'm happy? We have a thousand more? points in the happy. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. In uh, Minish Cap, friendship is signified by exchanging these matching rocks. <laughs> what are kinstones? Yeah. Andy's on the board. Let me do a quick score recap for you guys. Uh, Neil, 1,300 points. Andy, 1,300 points. Nathan yeah. Mustafa, 200 points. <laughs> <laughs> but no Very one's missed familiar. the question. So... I'm just happy I'm not negative. <laughs> I'm just happy I'm on TV. <laughs> Hi, Mom. All right, uh, so Andy, the board is yours, and that category is now empty. I need to scroll up and look at the topics again. Okay, let's go with uh, remakes for 100. Uh, that's me, isn't it? Okay. Yep. Uh, this high-profile remake developed by WayForward features voice actors from the original Disney cartoon. <laughs> Neil. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, what is what is Ducktales? Are you googling it first? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I, I thought I thought it was because of what I typed in. I didn't because on my screen it actually displayed it as Nathan getting it first, so it didn't even register for me. Same, same on my screen. But, oh wait, um, no. That what you're right. That was Nathan. Okay. Ooh. It was Nathan. So I Nathan. Thought, okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what is Ducktales remastered? Yes, sir. Some bullshit. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Uh, so Nathan. Uh, let's keep going. Okay, 200 points. According to director Masahiro Ueno, I hope I got that right, this Super Nintendo game, the fourth entry in its franchise, is actually a remake of the NES original. Woohoo! Ne Neil. What is Super Castlevania 4? Yeah. 
I was thinking of four games on Super Nintendo as opposed to oh. the fourth game. I, w- I was just like, what the hell had four games on Super Nintendo? <laughs> yeah, All good right. question. Um, what, remakes for 300? 400? Or 400. Yeah, let's do that. All right. This series reboot introduced the Zero Suit. <laughs> Neil. What is Metroid Zero Mission? Yes, sir. Which, damn it, I want that to come out on Wii U Virtual Console. Yeah, I don't, how's that going to happen? I don't think it's I mean, going to happen if it hasn't yet. It, I think they're being It's dicks. out in everywhere else. Yeah, it is. It'll happen. It'll, It'll definitely do. happen. Um, Let's go as far as, so we can complain more about things not coming out. Make mine mega for 100. <laughs> ah. Alright, for 100. Uh, in this latest and seemingly last entry in the original Mega Man series, the world's robots come down with Robenza virus. Uh, Andy. Oh, shit. Uh, Mega Man 10? What is Mega Man 10? Correct. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, do we clear out remakes? Nope. No. Let's go back to that. Uh, for 800. 800, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, uh, you'll like this question, Andy. An HD remake of this famous GameCube remake just hit PlayStation consoles. <laughs> there, good. Andy. What is Resident Evil? Yeah. Yeah. I also would have accepted Remake. <laughs> uh, let's close it out uh, 1000 originally released on the PS2 in 2002 this disc armor based action game was ported to Wii in 2008 under a different subtitle uh, Neil what is Rygar give me more <laughs> I don't remember what the original one's called uh you lose, Andy. Fuck. Um, do I have to? Do I have to? Have an <laughs> well, See, there I are a lot much. of games called Rygar, so yeah, you do. The, the Rygar but, that came out on PlayStation Two, assholes. Come on. But I didn't. But I didn't get the buzzer. Neil did it. Do I have to? Don't I have to buzz in again? Well, yeah. Right. I think. I think Andy's safe because okay. I'm going to give the same answer that Neil gave. Oh shit. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah, if Andy doesn't didn't want to like buzz anything, I know, I know that the, the like Wii a... one is Battle Battle for Argus, I think. Right, right. But I don't know what the PS2 one is. Okay, Nathan, anything? Oh, I could have no. sworn it was <laughs> called Rygar. All right, it's Rygar: The Legendary Adventure. Oh, oh come fuck on! That. I kind of figured that would be generic enough that everyone would know it. Yeah, but I, I didn't well... know that that game existed until it was remade on Wii. Really? I actually played it on PS2. It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, all, all right. right, so what is it, Andy's board or yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah it is. He got the Resident Evil question. Uh, okay, um, so we still have two in in memoriam. <laughs> let's go uh, back. But and we can keep going in other ones as well. Let's go back and clear out in, in, in memoriam. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so for eight hundred points, let me clear out the chat here. Okay. Uh, this final failed entry in this long-lived handheld line was released as a backup in case Nintendo's ambitious Nintendo DS died on the vine. <laughs> Neil. What is the Game Boy Micro? Correct. I've got two of them, baby. All right. Uh, what do we got? One one more in there from a yeah. thousand? Let's do it. This portable system took third place in the early 90s handheld wars and was uniquely designed for both left and right-handed gamers. <laughs> Andy, what is the Atari Lynx? Good, right? Nice. I read my share of EGM during <laughs> yeah. that particular era. <clears throat> All right, let's pop over to Club Nintendo for one hundred. Okay, that's Scott. 
No, that's you. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first game you could get digitally on the Club Nintendo service, and if you act quickly, you still can. <laughs> Neil. What is Grill Ultra Hand? I don't know if I can accept that. Andy buzzed in afterwards, so yeah. let's not accept it. Andy. What is Grill Off with Ultra Hand? Yeah. There it is. Oh. Nathan, how you doing? You know, I'm hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to score update real quick before Andy continues? Yeah, because Andy's uh, making the I think I'm at like 300. Nathan, good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neil is at 1,600, Andy is at 3,300, and Nathan is at 300. I have the oh, least damn. to lose. <laughs> uh, so go ahead, Andy. Uh, let's just keep going. Okay. It was the first platinum reward for North American Club Nintendo members. <laughs> Neil. Um, what is um, what is the Mario hat and yes. or or the Punch Out game? Doc Lewis's Punch Out. Because there were two. Oh, did you have the option back then? Yeah. I thought Doc Lewis was next the next year. Well, no, whatever. No, it was right. Doc Lewis or the Mario hat because I distinctly remember picking Doc Lewis because I was okay. like, I don't need a Mario hat. I just want to play more Punch Out. Well, you're right either way. Isn't it just um, like a demo for Punch Out? Well, yeah, you could just fight Doc Lewis. Like it was yeah. pretty dumb. Um, I regret nothing though, and I think now did you can. Did you, you can... fight Doc Lewis or did you fight as Doc Lewis? You fought Doc Lewis. Okay. Huh. It was kind of, I mean, it's neat as like kind of a, a curio, um, and I think you can get it on Club Nintendo before it's you all can down. for two fifty, which is a little pricey. It I is. Think. Um, okay, so uh, whatever is next in that category, we were doing all right. Four hundred. Uh, this quickly sold out reward would have gone great with your Skyward Sword Special Edition. <laughs> Neil, what is the gold uh, Wii nunchuck? Yes, sir. Correct. Uh, I got one, do... and I don't have the special edition. I, I <laughs> haven't. I have the special edition. I get, that's If I play a Wii Remote game, that or Wii Remote Nunchuck game, I use my gold shit. I would if I had mm. it. Um, let's do the next thing in Club Nintendo. Uh, this is just kind of a poorly written question, I'm realizing now. Uh, this short-lived reward celebrated Luigi's Mansion 2 and fetches upward of $150 on eBay. <laughs> Neil? What is the Luigi's Mansion statue? Yeah. <laughs> you can tell who's a big fan of Club Nintendo. I, I, well, no, I was worried true. that it was going to be like, what is the Luigi's Mansion statue Legendary Adventures or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I almost didn't buzz in because I was like, eh. Uh, let's do the next in that category. 1,000. Uh, limited to 1,000 units. A small coin featuring this character was released to celebrate the franchise's 20th anniversary. Neil. Uh, what is Luigi? No. Incorrect. Oh, shit. Let's reread the question. Limited to a thousand units, a small coin featuring this character was released to celebrate the franchise's 20th anniversary. Doot, doot, doot. What is it, Neil? Yep. Uh, there was a Luigi coin, though, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't to celebrate. It was to celebrate the year yeah. of Luigi. Yeah. That's that's my stupid thing for hearing, like, oh, the coin. There was the Luigi coins that everyone lost <laughs> <laughs> shit about. All right, Neil, uh, board's still yours. Yeah, you're still... Uh, what do we got left? Make mine Mega uh, and Indies. Uh, let's do Indies for 1,000. Whoa. <laughs> Big baller. 
Uh, this indie game, Tom Hap's Love Letter to Metroid, should be on Wii U, but Mono Game is not currently supported on Nintendo Systems. Andy. Oh, what is Axiom Verge? Correct. Nice. It's a bullshit. Let's, uh, hop, let's, let's hop to 100 and work our way back down. Uh, the most recent release from this indie darling was Zeodrifter, a bite-sized Metroid game. <laughs> Neil? Uh, what is Renegade Kid? Correct. Alright, uh, I'll do 200 in that category. Featuring the vocal talents of Charles Martinet, this charming platformer zoomed onto the Wii U eShop in February of 2013. Woohoo! <laughs> Neil? What is Runner 2 Future Legend of Rhythm Alien? <laughs> Correct. Or, no, Bitrip Presents Runner 2 okay, Future yeah. Legend of Rhythm Alien. <laughs> Smart guy. Uh, whatever's next in that category. Alright, so for 400. This WayForward eShop threequel was delayed several times, but eventually proved to be one of the best games on 3DS. Woohoo! Neil? Uh, what is Shantae and the Pirate's Curse? Correct. Uh, I feel like Neil's cleaning up now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> close it out. Right? No, we got There's two more. more. Oh, you're right. Only one no, more. Yep, one more. All right. Uh, though Ingenuity and... Or, sorry, through Ingenuity and Multicolored Magic, this upcoming Wii U party game can have up to nine players. Woohoo! Neil? Uh, what is Runbow? Correct. <laughs> Getting a clear idea that like Neil's good at like new stuff and Andy's good at old stuff. <laughs> Don't Nathan's, say it. Nathan's Don't chilling. Nathan's <laughs> having a good time. He's he's soaking in the knowledge. So what? Make my mega is all we have left. Yeah, two to I, a thousand. I love Nintendo, but I'm really proud of it. Um, that's let's go uh, two hundred with Make Mine Mega. Nathan, right, you're going to be laughing. All the way to the bank when these guys lose all their money in Final Jeopardy. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm positive that's going to happen. It's like, what is Nathan Mustafa's middle name? Like, <laughs> What Got WiiWare it. game took place in a deer basement? <laughs> I think that was DSiWare, right? No, it was WiiWare. I, I reviewed it. <laughs> all right, for 200, uh, Mega Man X and Zero get pulled into a dimensional rift that also traps characters from other Capcom, Sega, and Napco... Nap- Namco games in this 3DS RPG. <laughs> Neil. What is Project Cross Zone? Correct. Uh, let's do the next in that category. Instead of classic Mega Man or Mega Man X, players got to choose this iteration in uh, Tatsunoku vs. Capcom. <laughs> Neil. Uh, what is Volnut? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, Mega I'll Man Volnut. Correct. I think that's. I think that's what his name is. Like... It when is. You play it is. Him, I think it's just Volnut. I don't even think it's Mega Man Volnut. Because it's like weird, because Mega Man's his first name. That universe is stupid. It like, is. The games it's are fun. Retarded. But that universe is dumb. Yeah. Alright, so for 800 points, uh, despite being named individually after planets, the antagonists in Mega Man 5 for Game Boy are known collectively as these. Oh, shit. <laughs> no. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, what are Star Droids? Okay, I did know okay. it, but I didn't want to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> My answer of robots would not have gotten me very far. <laughs> robots. <laughs> I've already like, haven't I gotten the wrong answer on two one thousand points, one thousand points? Definitely, point? definitely one. Yeah, yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. right. Yeah. This is some poor shit. All right, let's. Go. <laughs> Here's I got another 1,000-pointer to, to lose it. I was saying, here's your chance to make it three. Uh, the third game in this GBA spinoff series explains why the protagonist doesn't look exactly like he did in the previous series. How? Oh. Nathan. Oh, I'm going to go negative. I... <laughs> Mega Man, what is Mega Man Battle Network 3? Oh, that Incorrect. hurts. Incorrect. like where your head's uh, at, though. Okay. 
Can I ask for a score update as to whether or not I try to answer this one? No, you <laughs> asshole. Answer the question. You're... No, he because he'd know his score. You're behind Andy by 200 points. Hmm. I'm calling it, yeah. Uh, it is, what is Mega Man Zero? Uh, okay. So with the third entry in a series? Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar with my Mega Man GBA games. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, um, there's, there's four so games. So how is that? How is, okay, so, so what's the lineage of those, that, that spin-off series? Mega Man Zero takes place a few hundred years after the X games. Everybody's dead. Oh, you uh, weren't looking for the specific name of no. the game. Oh, no. damn it. Cause that's what I was like, All what's right. Mega Man Zero 3? I don't think that's oh, the name I of it. See. I feel like it's got a dumb See, I still managed to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that brings us to the end of the first round here. Uh, quick scoring update. Neil is at 4,100 points. Andy is at 4,300 points. And Nathan is at negative 700 points. <laughs> it's all about perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Let me copy the next round of categories for you. Oh, and... I can do that if you want. Oh, there's some more. <laughs> <laughs> that's, only round, that's only round one, buddy. <laughs> all right, here you go. Uh, the categories this round are Smash Trophies. Nintendo, Birds of a Feather, Social Studies, Pointing and Waggling, and Mario Kart. And I'll remind everyone at home that the points are now worth a double uh, in this round, so uh, a chance to catch up or a chance to fall even more behind. Not saying names. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, I... Neil. Uh, I, there, there is, <laughs> there's no choice. I, I'll take Pointing and Waggling for, <laughs> for 200. <laughs> Uh, that uh, is you, Scott. No, it's nope, me. Nope, that Shit. is you. God damn it. <laughs> Can't count. Uh, 200 points. Use of the Wii Remote. Or use. I can't read. Oh, <laughs> use the Wii Remote to set broken bones, stitch lacerations, and remove tumors in this Atlas game. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Neil. Uh, what is Trauma Center second opinion? Or New Blood or Trauma Team? Because <laughs> there's three Wii games that you would all do that in. Really? There, there were there were three entries in yeah, the Trauma series. Them, yeah. I know, but I didn't. But, think but there's you... only one in which you can do all of the, the yeah, actions that Zach yeah. listed. Well, then what is Trauma Center's second opinion? No. Maybe. What is Trauma Team? Yeah. Why did I, I don't answer? I don't think there's any setting of bones in the old ones. No, there's is there. Not. Orthopedics uh... is new in Trauma Team. Yeah. Uh, damn it. Damn, Neil, damn. Uh, Andy, the board is yours. Let's go with... Um... Man, I don't like any of these. <laughs> Birds of a feather for 100, 200. Okay. Damn it, that's me too. All right. Uh, this bird tries and eventually succeeds in delivering baby Mario and baby Luigi to their parents. Woohoo! Neil. What is the stork? Stork. Yep. Oh, no, <laughs> what? <right>. Yes. <laughs> um, let's do pointing and waggling for, for 400. Or whatever it is. The second God, one. Quit making me read. Okay. Uh, need to reload in House of the Dead 2 and 3 return? Do this. Woohoo! No. <laughs> Neil. What is shake the remote? Yes. Oh. Uh, let's do... Uh, Pointing and waggling for whatever's next. 800. 600. 800. 
Uh, playing Wii Sports Resort is a good way to practice bomb throwing in this late era Wii game. Oh, damn, Andy. What is The Legend of Zelda? Skyward Sword. Yeah. I thought thought you might get that. Uh, let's continue. 1600. Games in this sports series benefited greatly from the advent of the Wii Motion Plus. Prior to its release, it was easy to end up in the sand. <laughs> Neil. Uh, what is Tiger Woods PGA Tour? Yeah. Um, let's do whatever is next. Uh, that what is that? The final one in pointing. Two thousand final one. Yep. Uh, in this spooky Wii game, players use the Wii remote as a flashlight and a cell phone. <laughs> Andy, what is Silent Hill Shattered Memories? Yeah, baby. That's my kind of. Question I need to get right back there. to that game. All right, let's move to Smash Trophies for two hundred. So the way this works is I read you a section of a trophy description Ooh, and you tell me what the trophy is. That's that's clever. Hmm. Uh, these are super easy, though. So 200, he's a big croc with a big attitude and a tiny crown. <laughs> Neil. What is King K. Rule? Yeah, I also would have accepted who is King K. Rule. <laughs> uh, whatever's next in that category. <laughs> 400. If you manage to launch him or knock him over, he'll become an ally to whoever dealt the last blow. Doot, doot, doot. Who is Ridley? It's going to say there's multiple things that that could apply to. I think, yeah, but right? This is text from his trophy. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. Do it. Do it. None of the, none of the others team. Yeah, up. none of the right? other. Like, no. Yeah, like the, Devil Xeno, just dies. the Xenoblade level, yeah, and the, the Xenoblade. I was, enemy, I was thinking of the dies. dumb thing on the 3DS one from from Earthbound. Yeah, but but that I think yeah, you but, just touch it. You're talking about that could apply to any character in any video game made by Nintendo, or that could have ever appeared on on on, on a platform made by Nintendo. Yeah, you know, like, I'm not going to argue it. They're they're right. They got us. We should have known. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Like I get why you didn't ring in because that could have been a Kid Icarus Game Boy question for all we knew. But it's Smash Trophies. Well, right. For but Smash You Brothers. just had one for King K. Rule. Yeah, but he's in... <laughs> he was still in Smash it. Brothers, but do you wanna, like... Do you want to do the 800 or move on? <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's do your Smash Trophies category. Jesus. For 800, is that a three-headed monster? No, wait. The left and right heads are actually claws. Creepy. Shit. Doot, doot, doot. What is Scizor? Oh, uh, okay. Um, let's do the <laughs> Is that next one of them thing, damn yeah, Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> yep. One of those Pokemans. Oh, yeah. See, I don't that feel bad about it. that because I would have never gotten that. So uh, let's next, move on. Another Smash Trophy. This, this ma- for 1600, this massive baddie splits itself into small pieces and flies across the battlefield, striking anyone in the way. <laughs> Neil. Uh, what is the Yellow Devil? Yes. Oh, God. Of course. Uh, let's close that out. 2000. This is my favorite one to write. It leaves you without mushroom to remo- to maneuver and makes you the laughing stock of your friends. <laughs> oh, somebody's got to get this. Come on. <laughs> so punny. It hurts. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Ah, uh, doot, doot, doot. What is Eggplant Pit? 
Ah. Um, That's wonderful. Let's do a quick scoring update. Yeah. Uh, now that we've figured oh. one out. Neil has rocketed ahead to 7,900 points. Holy crap. Andy, just close behind, with 7,300 points. And Nathan. Uh, <laughs> Neil, the board is yours. <laughs> uh, Nathan, right. you're, at ne- you're at negative 700. Okay, so pointing and waggling. <laughs> Pointing and waggling and smash trophies are both done, and we've done. What else have we done? We started one, one, didn't we? Started yeah. birds of a feather. Started birds, birds of a feather. feather. Uh, let's do. Let's do Nintendo for uh, for whatever's first. Two hundred. All right. Like the PSP before it, this handheld system has been all but abandoned by its platform holder and has become a haven for weird Japanese games. <laughs> Andy. Uh, the PlayStation Vita. Correct. Let's keep going. Uh, this expansive headline release on the Xbox One has faced constant issues since launch, especially in regards to online multiplayer. Woohoo! Uh, Neil? Uh, what is Halo the Master Chief Collection? Correct. Let's go next in Nintendo. Alright, keyboard controllers were never utilized more than for this Dreamcast game from Sega. Woohoo! Neil? Uh, what is Fantasy Star Online? Incorrect. Shit. Anyone else like to buzz in? Alright, doot doot doot. Uh, what is Typing of the Dead? No. Oh, God. It is I forgot that that came game. out on Dreamcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alright. Another Nintendo, please. Okay. Uh, want to look cool playing first person shooters on your PS3? Try this Super Scope like device, which turns your move controller into a ridiculous gun. I forget the name of it. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, what, what is the sharpshooter? Uh, okay. Mm, naturally. Better uh, than Menacer. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I had a Menacer when I was a kid. It broke, though. But, like, Ready Aim Tomatoes, man. That was the shit. Um, moving on. Okay. Last one in this category. Uh, for 2000, originally, originally released on the PS1, this port was a launch title for the ill-fated Nokia N-Gage, where players had to deal with a vertically-oriented screen that cut off most of their view. Um, what is Tomb Raider? Correct. Oh my yes! god! Because wow. that's what I was—I was, like, I mean, I've never fucking played an Engage, but I was like, I think Tomb Raider was ported to it. Yep. That is I'm, not the question. That, I had another answer lined up, and I'm glad I didn't buzz in. I was going to go with Tony, <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Oh, okay. that, that I would have known about because then I would have wanted an Engage. That's how into Tony <laughs> I was at the time. Ah, uh, so Neil, the board is yours. Um, all right, so we got. Uh, I need to scroll up and find wherever the fuck they are. Uh, you have Birds of a Feather. There's four left there. Uh, social Studies hasn't been touched, and Mario Kart hasn't been touched. Let's do Social Studies for 200. Cool. Upon arriving in your hometown in Animal Crossing New Light, Leaf, you unceremoniously assume this governmental role. <laughs> Neil. Uh, what is Mayor? <laughs> Correct. Nice try, nice try, Nathan, though. That almost tricked <laughs> me. <laughs> I think we should have just asked him. <laughs> He doesn't strike me as someone who would lie. If he says he's first, he's first. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for 400 in that category. Okay. Uh, in Little King's story, you preside over this form of govern- governance. Woo-hoo! What is monarchy? Correct. <laughs> like, I was like, what's the trick? <laughs> uh, 800 or whatever's, whatever's next? Yep. Uh, in Atlas's recent Citizens of the Earth, you play as this character whose superpower allows him to break congressional ties. <laughs> or Andy, Andy. 
What is vice president of the world? Ah, uh, correct. Uh, let's just keep going. That game got a good update. It's I I haven't played it much since Does then. Does it actually work but, now? But I think it's yeah, way it was, more fun. Is it actually good? Before, right? It was really fun. It was just uh, super, super laggy and oh. the Wii U version. Yeah, the oh. Wii U version was very... The Wii U version crashed a lot and the 3DS one just ran very slowly. Oh, okay. Uh, Alright, so for 1600, raised by frogs, everybody is surprised when mild-membered party member Mallow turns out to be one of these in Super Mario RPG. All right, boop, boop, boop. What? No, no, Neil, too uh, late, too late. Uh, it is, what is a prince? Uh, a prince. Really? Okay. I thought it was like oh, the Nimbus or the cloud people. Yeah, but I like see what you're prince, saying, Zach. So... A marshmallow is not a form of government. Right. Exactly. Uh, okay, yeah. all right, all right. That actually right. makes a lot of sense. Remember, he's raised by the toads, but then yeah. he eventually goes home Damn and find out he's Yeah, no, I, I was, I, 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 that was dumb of me because I was, I was, <laughs> like, I was like, what's the name of his, his, the race that he was from? Not thinking like, oh no, he's just a fucking prince. <laughs> yeah. um, let's finish that uh, up. Okay, so for 2000, in Metal Gear Solid 3D, Snake is congratulated by this U- U.S. president at the end of his mission. All right, boop, boop, boop. Uh, who is Lyndon Johnson? Or That's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That or the president from Bad Dudes. <laughs> <laughs> president Ronnie? Yeah. Um, so All we right, got uh, Birds so of a Feather and... And Mario Kart. All right. Of course, of course, you're not going to touch Mario Kart. Big surprise. Yeah. Bias. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there is there a point value for seven point five? <laughs> That's what you'd give the category. Oh, you took my joke. Tobias, <laughs> the board is yours. Uh, birds of a feather for four hundred. Don't pester these farm birds in Zelda. They get real mean real fast. <laughs> Neil, uh, what is Kuko? Yeah. Um, Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> Send me in, coach. <laughs> uh, 600 in that category. 800? 800. Okay. There we go. Damn. It's the know. second unlockable character in the original Gunman Clive. <laughs> Neil? What is Duck? Yes, Duck. I should have known that. The game's Great awesome. Game. Uh, Playing as the Duck is hard. 1600? Is yeah, it uh, yeah, you did it. Finally. Expresso, one of the original animal buddies in DKC, is this kind of bird. <laughs> Neil, what is an ostrich? Yup. Uh, then let's close it out. Uh, Sky of the Shantae Games practices this sport, which employs predatory birds. Yeah, go from ostrich to this. <laughs> uh, dude, what is falconry? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was something dumb like that, but I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> uh, so um, you have right. to go to Mario Kart now, Neil. Mario here's Kart. It, here's... Mario Real Kart quick, let's do, a, let's do a scoring update before we do this last category. Uh, Neil is at 12,900. 12, oh, my God. Andy is at 8,300. <laughs> and Nathan is at negative 700. Variety, but I feel like this is Nathan's <laughs> category. I feel like this is. I do back too. Here. I do too. As someone who never plays Mario Kart, I feel strongly <laughs> about this. <laughs> okay, Neil, you want to start with two hundred? Yeah. All right. Um, 
this is what you sent Neil on the internet after you read his Mario Kart or eight review. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the question. Uh, the answer, the answer would have been death threat. Yeah. Uh, so two hundred. I did too. <laughs> this, uh, this character was a racer on the SNES version, but has not appeared since. Oh, jeez. What is Donkey Kong Jr.? Oh, Ooh, damn. Well, I think, Ooh, it's a person. but isn't there like some like <laughs> dumb canon debate about how like, well, Donkey Kong Jr. became Donkey Kong in Mario Kart no, 64? No, it's not a debate at all. Incorrect. Just wait until the Donkey Kong Historia, guys. Yeah. Then you'll all be <laughs> laughing. Well, I, Neil, I'm sad that you've let that idea linger. I'll be doing something. is Donkey Kong's grandpa. Who's his dad? Donkey Kong Jr. Oh, geez. Mario? Because <laughs> isn't Cranky Kong? Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong, and We're you see what happens is there's there is a certain point in which I, I believe that humanity dies because that's why you see the ruins. Candy, and that's when Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, that scene has been cut out of the Wii U Virtual Console version of the game, so it's not canon anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Neil. They, they spun it off into an entire uh, Vitality Sensor game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're never going to see it because everyone was like, oh, look at him on his dumb face. It's called Sleepy Kong. Aww. <laughs> Neil, you want to go for 400? Yeah, why not? It is the original name of the dreaded blue shell. <laughs> Neil. What is the spiky <laughs> shell? Incorrect. Ooh. You have points to spare, though, so I think you're fine. <laughs> Nathan! Uh, Nathan! No, I just... No. <laughs> Come on, Nathan. You can Nathan's do it. trolling. Let's look, because I want, I want you to get to positive so you at least can play in the funnel round. Well, then that is not the way to accomplish it. Neil was very close. Does that help? He may have just been... Oh, um, God. Little, little yeah. off. You okay, Zach? Nathan, I'll give you a hint. No. I'll give you a I, hint. Exactly. Zach was actually just coughing in Morse code to give you the answer. Did you catch it? <laughs> Two taps, one tap. Nathan, what what does Lakitu throw? No. Oh. <laughs> All right, the answer is what what is the spiny shell? Damn it! Uh, yeah, you know, I thought you had that for sure because we just talked about spiny shells during the Smash Brothers video we recorded. Yeah. yeah, one of the games had spiny shells in it, and yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't know those were called spiny shells. I thought they were called the fucking worst. <laughs> uh, Neil, though, the board is yours. Giant I guess, blue asshole. Uh, six hundred? Eight hundred? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Getting three stars on every cup and every difficulty wins you this character in Mario Kart Wii. Andy. What is me? Incorrect. God damn it. Alright, boop, boop, boop. Uh, who is Dry Bowser? Okay, I was thinking that or Rosalina. Oh yeah. Uh, then what do we got? Uh, let's let's do the let's do the two thousand one. Oh, <laughs> change it up. Here we go. Players without a copy of Mario Kart Advance could only pick this character in multiplayer races. How? Wait, no. You know what? No, Nathan. Well, who is shy guy? Oh. No. <laughs> what? It, Nathan. Cool. <laughs> Was that? <laughs> Never mind. Are you serious? Yeah, the answer is no. That was in the DS one. Was when that started. That's oh, what I'm shit. thinking of. Um, fuck it. Neil. Neil. What is Yoshi? Correct. Yep. Oh okay. my god. You encouraged me to answer. I'm so sorry, Neil. Neil, were you gonna say Shy Guy? Yes. 
Oh, that sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Dude. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna help Nathan get to positive right now. You seem so sure. <laughs> Dang it. I, I'm pretty sure you started saying shy guy. I know. I, I say shy, and I'm like, oh no. great, I'm definitely gonna get it right. <laughs> I'd say I didn't even hear that. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go last question uh if if nathan happens to get it it's worth triple points for him yes uh so for 1600 uh shinobu tanaka composed the music for double dash mario kart ds and this mainline mario game all right boop, boop, boop. uh what is super mario sunshine uh okay okay yeah it makes sense because there's there's this weird shit with mario kart where like the Mario Kart team that we know of, pretty much none of them worked on Double Dash. Like, it was a yeah. completely different team. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, Alright, so that brings us to Final Jeopardy. So here's our final score update heading into that. Um, Neil has 14,700 points. <laughs> Andy has 7,500 points. But it means if you double up, you could actually beat Neil. Um, so at least we've got that going. Nathan has negative 2,700. <laughs> I feel like we should just make that positive twenty seven hundred. Can, can you I don't put know. the scores in the chat so that way I can I can base my? Yeah, we could we could make this Mario Party Jeopardy and just Nathan wins anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's roll the dice. You get the most. Yeah. You get the least. Have the least stars. You win. All right. So you know how this works. I'll give you the category. Then you send Scott your wagers, and once that's done, I'll read the answer. Category is Ocarina of Time. All right. I've got everyone's wager. Okay, so the question is, this boss of the Shadow Temple is clearly inspired by a similar boss from Super Mario 64. Here we go. We will start with Nathan because he was at the lowest. Is that how it goes? Yeah, right. No, you're, uh, not, you're not reading my answer. I, uh, I, I, oh, okay. Go ahead. Sure. <laughs> well, you got you got it right. Uh, because says, I uh, because I googled it. Did you? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> because I put negative twenty seven hundred as my wager. I, I just was trolling. I was you, so right? excited. I was going to no. say you got to zero. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then I won't even read Nathan's answer. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, Andy uh, bet all his money, and oh. his answer was, who is Zach Miller? Which <laughs> 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 <Just> is close. <laughs> Zach was actually the boss of the Water Temple. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, uh, <laughs> Neil bet uh, 301 points and had the correct answer. Uh, what is Bongo Bongo? Okay, what's the similar yeah, boss in Mario sixty four? Because that right? threw me off. I just in the in the desert okay. level, it's that Zach dude Miller. with hands with eyes. Oh, okay, <laughs> because I was like, I was like, that, like the the Shadow Temple. I think that was the first iteration of that character where like, oh. use the arrow, shoot his hands. Like, 
Oh, to use the arrow, sure, but in Mario, you just yeah. punch him in the eye. Look, if you want to ask yeah. me to name bosses from the original Legend of Zelda or Zelda 2, I'm set. <laughs> if it's not Twin Rova, I don't have any recollection. <laughs> I just remember Bongo Bongo is a dumb name. It is, and he's a stupid boss. Do you guys want to know what the original uh, final question would have been? Sure. Just for fun? We, we changed it. Um, the category was licensed games. Kind of a poor category name, I think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't really give any indication. And the category is confidence. most games. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the the answer, quote-unquote, was, he's the big bad in the video game adaptation of The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Nope. That's a Zach question, right? Exactly. And that's yeah. exactly what I was like, the I think the only person who that... played that game. My, uh, my response would have been the same. <laughs> it was, is it, uh, is it the lizard Alistair, or, Al- or did they change it up? Alistair Smith. Oh, uh, okay. You that's, rescued that's the lizard. That's fucking hard. You rescued the lizard in the video game adaptation, which takes place in an alternate universe after the first movie. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so Neil is our big winner. He finished with fifteen thousand yeah. uh, and one points. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Andy wound up at zero, so worth all this time, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So and, Nathan uh, tied him. No, Nathan's disqualified, and we'll never <laughs> speak his name again. <laughs> you invite me back for a crusty old RPG Jeopardy. Okay, <laughs> we can make that happen. Yeah, I, I'm down uh, for that. Cool. Well, there you go. Well, thanks, guys, for coming on to Compete. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone, then that will do it for episode 175 of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, and uh, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for a couple weeks when the show comes back with uh, Nick and Neil sort of headlining it. Uh, And I guess personally, I just want to thank everyone who has listened to the show over the past, God, what, four years, I guess, that I have been appearing on it. Um, It means a whole lot to me. I've made a lot of great friends from doing this show, and I will definitely miss being a part of it every week. But I'll be back. You know, there'll be segments I come back on uh, in a little while. So, yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of it writing emails, you know, following me on Twitter, just even listening, even if I never even talk to you. Uh, It really means a lot. So thanks a lot. Talk to you guys later.